Chris, I had some local pizza. It was pretty good. Was it? Yep. We, and that's uh, about all the news I got. We also did. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just saying we also had some local pizza. No shit. Yep. Was it worth the price for uh, for what you had? Um, it was thin, so I had to deal with that. But that's a oh, normal problem anywhere now. It seems you're a you're a thick pizza guy. Huh? I, I don't want so. Back in the day, hand-tossed used to be a happy medium between thin and pan. Mm-hmm. Now, hand-tossed is thin. Yeah. And thin is tissue paper. Yeah. Um, so, I don't I don't want, you know, a lot of thickness. I just want a little bit more, you know, that happy medium. Yeah. I've never been a fan of thin crust myself. My My parents always got it for whatever reason, and I never liked it. I thought it was the only pizza ever made until <laughs> I had thick crust, and I was like, oh, shit. But, again, for me, there is also a limit. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want too thick. I think I've made mention before, there's a, local, there's a local mall near here, and they have a pizza place inside of it, and they would sell, like, basically a quarter of a pizza for, like, I don't know, like two, three bucks, something like that. But... Like it, the pizza was like a fucking loaf of bread with a thin layer of shit on top. That's always how I remembered it. It was very, very thick crust. That's a bit too much. Yeah. But I had some local pizza to celebrate my birthday. It was very good. I enjoyed it. And then I went and had sushi for my actual birthday dinner. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that too. I had a fairly good birthday this year, I thought, to say the least. But. That's that's down the road. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. And today we're going to talk politics. That's <laughs> <laughs> 67 people stop the podcast. Uh, we don't even have 67 people to listen to this thing right now. Not the, highly unlikely. Not to say that Chris and I are above or beneath political discussion, but no. Only thing that even happened political-wise that I know of is our current president, Donald Trump, gave his inauguration speech, which I didn't watch because I was too busy doing important things. What a horrible citizen I am. Chris, it's been a week. It's been exactly a week. Exactly a week. I think you went first last time. I guess I can go first this time. But before we do... Any well actuallys to offer up to the audiences? Nope, but I do have some news uh, to discuss Oops. once, uh, wherever you want to put it at, either before or after our weeks. Hmm. That, that's juicy. Is it good news? Eh. Uh-oh. Either way. We'll save it. We'll save okay. it anyway. Keep that. Keep the audience uh, just on the edge of their seats while we talk about <laughs> pizza and sushi and po- politics. Let's see, where do I begin? Uh, I'll get one movie out of the way. I did watch one movie yesterday. I watched, I don't, I don't, I don't think I belong in this world anymore. I believe that's the title. Let's go double check. I want to get the actual title correct. It was pretty good. It was a, it's a next, it's a Netflix movie. I checked it out. Um, it didn't blow my mind. It did have a couple of hilarious scenes in it, but. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. That's what it is. What kind of um, movie is it? 
Well, it's a it's a comedy drama ish, kind of slice of life comedy ish. Uh, very unique. Has uh, like I said, it's got some hilarious points in it. Just made me chuckle pretty hard, but. Uh, a movie in, of like a top 25 contender of 2017, it was not. I enjoyed it, but probably as a one-watch thing. It's about the only movie slash TV thing I watched. I mean, I guess in a way you could kind of say I'm watching, uh, I'm slowly working my way through watching two best friends play uh, Batman, the uh, Telltale game. I believe they're on season uh, two. Yeah. So I'm watching that. I, mean, I don't know. That's as I made mention before. YouTube is my TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got that on uh, Games with Gold or something. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's Telltale, so yeah. you know. On that note, I have been told that I should check out. Uh, I've been recommended by several people that I should should check out uh, the Wolf Among Us. Yes, I've uh, I've heard the same thing, and I actually think I. That's another one that came with uh, Games of Gold. But I was already planning on uh, playing it for them. I've heard good things as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a, it's a Telltale game. So if anybody uh, if anybody in the audience is not familiar with Telltale games, a good series to jump on immediately and one that I highly, highly recommend you get on, even if you haven't watched the TV series, is the Telltale Walking Dead video game series. Uh, specifically season one. I haven't made it through season two or three. I've heard kind of middling to below average reviews about two and three. But for me, season one was great. And this is coming from a guy who, uh, another thing, and I, I guess I'll just tangent on for a minute. I am sick to fucking death of zombies. Chris, <laughs> I'm tired of fucking zombies. I have been tired of the zombie bullshit. For the, I was tired of it six, seven years ago. I feel like I've been tired of it for a decade. It seems like it is a trope. It is a genre, a theme in movies, TVs, music, pop culture, everything that will not fucking go away. I don't know why, but it won't. Uh, post-apocalyptic things I like, I can get into, but mm-hmm. when it's, when I see that the result is, oh, it's because zombies and it's, uh, I'm just totally fucking, I, I don't care anymore. There are a few exceptions here and there, and there are very few and far between, but just the whole entire genre of zombies. Maybe we can have a, we could have an anti-topic one day about zombies <laughs> and I can just, just get my, get this shit off my chest, but, the reason why I'm saying this is because on top of not watching a lot of TV series and not being interested in a lot of mainstream TV, uh, read Game of Thrones. That's another show we get, uh, episode we can have one day. But one of the most popular TV series in recent history has been The Walking Dead. Uh, I know what it is. I've watched, uh, a few of the episodes. I made it. Th- this is the, this is, this is what kills me. I, was hesitant to watch that show because of, like I said, I'm sick and tired of zombie bullshit. Yeah. So I never watched it. And I was like, I don't even have cable or, or anything. So even if I had wa- I had to watch it, I had to borrow it from somebody or get it from somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. And so many people recommended it. So many friends told me about it. It was so good. It's so good. It's so good. So I finally said, fuck it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'll check it out just to get my opinion. This was probably 
two, three, four years ago. I watched first season. I watched. I made it through the first four episodes and was like, "Yep, this is boring. I don't care." <laughs> not only, not only the zombie shit is. I mean, again, the zombie stuff is an afterthought. I get that. I understand that that's not the main drive of that show. Yeah. But it it just didn't draw me. It didn't have any appeal to me. It, it it was it was mediocre to boring for me, so I dropped it. Started telling people about it, you know, yeah, I made it like three, four episodes in. They were like, "Oh my god, the next episode is where it picked up." I'm like, "Well, I, I'm kind of reminded of Near Automata, where they say, oh, you beat the first two endings, you got to wait to the third one. That's where the shit really gets good. The third game is where it's good.' Ah, oh, man. So I'm I'm quite sure I'm missing out on a TV show masterpiece by not watching The Walking Dead, but sorry, I gave it a shot. I didn't get into it. Moving, I moved on with life. However, and this is a big however, The Walking Dead video game, I definitely got into. I've watched uh, the entirety of Two Best Friends play it. Again, you'll notice a theme with me. Uh, and then I bought it and played through a couple different ways myself. Enjoyed it every single time I watched it and played it. That game is good. That is, uh, <clears throat> Telltale games are known for making, uh, storylines very good. They make it, they make them very fluid. A lot of interconnectability. A lot of choose your own adventure. And every choice really has a, almost every choice has a solid diverging impact on what you do in the future. Yeah. Based on what you chose, I love it. It's very good. Uh, to give one example, to give one spoiler example, I guess, I guess spoiler, spoiler, because I'm only going to give one for The Walking Dead season one telltale video game. There is a scenario where you, the main character, and I'm, I'm, it's a good guy. It's been a while since I've seen this, so bear with me. But you come in, you come into the camp, this, this camp area, and there's this, lady and she's basically the fucking head honcho she is the the boss of this this camp and you don't like the way that she's doing business you think she's being kind of a bitch you think she's kind of a running show sideways you think that she's making poor decisions and you confront her and bring her this bring this to her attention and she just basically goes oh oh you don't like the way i'm running shit here i've got all these people and these kids to feed, protect, they get this fucking business to run. I got all this shit going on, but you think that I'm doing it wrong. Okay, I'll tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. There are 13, and I'm, again, I may be fucking the numbers up, but there are 13 adults in this camp, and there are six kids. Here is nine pieces of food. Go feed people. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. And every person that you do or don't feed in some way shape or form it will have a good or a bad result a lot of decisions in that game are i'm making if i'm not if maybe i'm not making the right decision but i'm making the absolute best decision that i that i consciously conscient conscientiously can make right. i'm probably saying that word wrong too but the idea is you think Okay, it's either kill this person or kill this person. I don't want to kill either one of them. Right. But I guess if I kill this one, it's okay. And it's like, no, that was actually the worst decision. You just <laughs> fucked everybody. It has a lot of shit like that. It has payoff after payoff after curve after curve. 
a lot of what I hear is is kind of what the movie is based around, but this is mm-hmm. tangible. This is in your hand. This is you making the decisions. Yeah. The another cool aspect to it, and I'm assuming it's the same thing in Wolf uh Wolf <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd be a pretty good game. But I see it in the Telltale Batman series, so I'm assuming it's also in The Wolf Among Us, is you don't have an infinite time to make choices. Right. You, They give you a decision, and you can't go, oh, fuck, man, this is weighty. Let me set my controller down mm-hmm. and, and prop my fist under my chin and think about this. Okay, what would happen? No, you got like 30 seconds. Yeah, all of you, them are like that. Yeah, um, you, you have 15 seconds. We have the Minecraft seconds. ones, and they're the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah, as yet another get another thing. The idea is if you see blank telltale, even if you aren't exactly familiar with or intimate with the source material, you can trust that it's going to be made good. They have a they have a wicked fucking awesome way of storytelling in that game. So, I mean, on that note, even if I would recommend. Uh, the wa- the Walking Dead season one as a starter, but if you also are not into the Walking Dead or you don't think that's your cup of tea, but you like Batman, go check the Batman Telltale series out. They take Batman on a they spend the whole Batman story in a different yet believable and also fits into the Batman universe way, and I like that. Yeah. So go to ahead. Uh, to piggyback on the Walking Dead thing, there's also a, a mobile game called The Walking Dead Road to Survival. Um, I only started playing it because it gave me, you know, gems in another game if I got so far in it. But Mm -hmm. I actually kept playing it, and it has those uh, choice uh, things, the options of, you know, kill this person, save this person, or, you know, kill them, or, you know, exile this person, or something like that. And it does come back and affects the game later on. Um, it's not a, it's not a super intricate game, but it does have that storytelling from the series with the choices. That's all. All game. That's all you need to know. Game is that you're going to get the storytelling game. Good choices. I hope you make good choices. <laughs> Chris, have you? I haven't played the Game of Thrones one yet, but I have it. I wanted to wait till I was finished uh, watching it before I played it, and I just haven't gone back to it yet now that I've watched it. Um, even though, like you said, that's really not a requirement for it, because it's usually not based on the same timeline yeah. or uh, sto- main story. It'll have some characters that overlap, but it'll often be something completely unrelated. But I still wanted to wait. They have so many games now. I don't know. Well, either way, I'm pretty sure if you play any of these, if you check out any of these, you're going to have your mind blown. I was trying to think of another one off the top of my head. I knew there was a big one I was forgetting, and Game of Thrones is one of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I don't want to... 
I don't want to spend all night rambling about Game of Thrones, but that, that's another series that I... Well, that's a little different, though. I've watched Game of Thrones, and uh, if if the if you do like Game of Thrones, and you you like or you are drawn to the appeal of Game of Thrones to you, or one of the appeals of Game of Thrones to you is you like those, what the fuck's going to happen? Oh my shit, this went sideways really quick. Imagine having a game where you make those choices. If that doesn't fucking, if that doesn't entice you, I don't know what else can. But that's what you get when you play these Telltale games. So reeling this all the way back to my <laughs> week, pulling this all the way back to where I started this shit. Yes, I am currently watching through up to their current episodes of Batman the Telltale game. Uh, I'm pretty sure it has an actual subtitle. Batman, the enemy within. Batman, the enemy within. Yes, yes. So, that's those are the things that I was watching. Not much in the theaters for me to go see. I'm. I think if it's it's not next week, but the week after, uh, Black Panther finally comes out in theaters. So I will be taking a trip to my local preferred theater and checking that out. Which, on that note, also. Uh, Chris, I think we just need to give up the game podcast and start doing movie podcasts because <laughs> now hear me out. If you if you are up in the 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 upper tiers of media of a of movie uh movie social media push like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you can just go see movies like incredibly early. I kept seeing all over my Facebook all these world premieres and all these screenings of Black Panther like three or four days ago. This, as we're making this recording today, the movie doesn't even come out for two weeks. So, holy shit. There's advanced screenings, there's screenings, and I'm like, okay, you know, I understand that happens. You know, they want to tease the movie out to the 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 rich or the actual Hollywood cadre or whatever. Oh no, there's YouTube subscribers that got to go see this. Their their companies, their social media, uh, a prof- high profile people that just get invited to and get to go see this movie like over two weeks in advance. Holy shit! So, <clears throat> yeah, that's actually pretty cool. I I try my best to stay internet dark on this shit. Mm-hmm. And the moment that I started seeing all these world premieres of, of Black Panther announced, I was like, oh, turning shit off. I was <laughs> not going to this site for two weeks, not going here for two weeks, uh, scrolling past news feed shit, blocking you, blocking you, blocking you. Because, man, it doesn't, it, we're in the internet age, brother. It don't take nothing. It's nothing yeah. for people to go, oh, yeah, did you know the fucking, uh, this scene in Black Panther where he kills his mom? Oh, God. And you're like, what the fuck? The movie is not even out yet. <laughs> I don't even have a way where I couldn't have been spoiled on that. It's something I've been picking up over the past couple of years is trying to stay the fuck away from social media, specifically when movies come out. Games, mm-hmm. games as well, depending on the game. Uh, but yeah, I will be, I will be checking out Black Panther when it comes out. I have high hopes for it. And I, so my wife and I were at dinner a couple nights ago and I don't know where I just got this big ass shit eating grin on my face. She's like, what's, what are you, what are you thinking about? I was like, Avengers comes out this year. She was like, you forgot? I was like, I kind of did. 
and time like this whole month kind of blew past me and I almost forgot that Infinity War comes out this year. Mm-hmm. That needs to continue to happen for me until that movie gets released. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to keep thinking about it and keep spurring myself on. Um, So that's it. that's it for movies. As far as general bullshit, sometime this week I did celebrate my birthday, my 36th birthday. Happy birthday to me. Ray, my dad asked, asked me again this year that he asked me, he's been asking me every year for the past like five years, you feel older yet? No, I don't. <laughs> he should know. I have the genes of his side of the family, so I don't, I don't, I age like George Clooney. So you I know, I was actually talking to uh, my niece about this uh, not too long ago, but I don't feel as old as people looked and acted when I was younger. Yes. If I looked at, you know, someone that was 30, yes. I'm like, man, they've had it rough. And then I look at, you know, myself or other people that I grew up with, you know, same age group, and it's like, we don't look anything like they did. We don't act anything like they did. Yes. I just, I feel like we haven't had the life sucked out of us to the extent that they did. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't feel 30. I, you know, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way. I look at like I look at older pictures of my mom and dad. I I I can recall when my mom and dad were 35, 36. Mm-hmm. And no, they didn't look old. I mean, technically by yeah. today's standards they don't look old for the age they are anyway, but they looked older than what I feel I look. Mm-hmm. And I see that around like I look back at like generations past like I specifically look at generations that were around my parents age and beyond you know I don't look at 32 year olds that would be pointless but it seems like people got older faster back then or this I'm completely pulling this out of my ass I'm sure there's 500 people are going to send us comments going well no my my parents look like they're 12 and they're 38 I I know it (laughs) happens we have a couple friends ourselves that look dangerously younger than what they actually are. I, I get that it happens. But when I look at myself, not looking at finances, not looking at shit that I've done, not looking at the fact that I've been working, physically working, I will be coming up on a physical 20-year mark of working. I don't physically look like I think I should. I feel like yeah. I should be looking older, but I don't. I look like I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm a decade older than that. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Not fit. I'm not, like, muscular or anything, but I don't I don't look like I'm going to retire in three years, yeah. which, which technically I will be in about five. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that I, I celebrated birthdays. Um... Chris, what yeah. do you personally have any traditions, any mainstays, anything particular that you tend to do every year for your birthday? No. Any things that you look forward to? Like, the, are there any cakes you look for or, or presents or anything specific? Or is every freaking birthday different for you? No, I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. I have a couple. Uh, my mother, for example, she does not, she doesn't make me a cake. Uh, she still gets me presents, even though I tell them not to. 
but she'll she doesn't make me a cake. She makes me homemade cookies. That's been my thing for years and years and years nice. and years. I do like cake. Uh, as a matter of fact, my uh my wife's stepmother, uh she is a she is a baker. Uh, I have to get the specifics of, of of I don't know if she's schooled if she's just that damn good. All I know is I've had many of her or her bakery her her baked goods specifically our fucking wedding cake she made and oh my god which by the way I got like two bites of that kind of sucks. <laughs> well, I mean you understand it's a wedding. I I yeah. had I had a mountain of food around me and we ate the cake that was there for the pictures and then we moved on and tried to get something of the forty seventy something pieces of other food and then I went on yeah. and then I left <laughs> so. But, uh, I'm, I may start like s- slowly, politely, sweetly nudging her to be like, Hey, you know, my birthday's coming up. I think, uh, <laughs> sure would like another. I don't know. Why am I, why am I doing the guy from Family Guy? I, that would be, I, I, wedding cake I've never had other than weddings, duh. But it was fucking delicious and I'd love to have a wedding cake every year for a cake. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I can't think of too many times in my life where I've had like a big birthday like celebration thing. I had it when I was a kid. I had one when I went to Boomtown Casino and did an arcade thing. That was pretty cool. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never had like, hey, somebody behind my back invited like 30 friends to this thing and then coerced me to go there and the surprise and there's like mountains of presents and cake and whatever i've never had that and i never look forward to it i have always pretty much for the last decade of my life i have worked on my birthday to some degree some form or another uh it was pretty bad a couple years ago because I, i was working at a place that i I mean, it's usually a nine to five job, and I ended up having to stay five hours extra. I have never, in the history of working there, had to work overtime. Period, and just so happened on my birthday, I had to work five hours over. Crazy, crazy stuff. That's okay. Wife took care of me. We celebrated my birthday another day. Life moved on. No big deal. That's usually how my birthdays are. Like, oh, my birthday is today, but I'm actually going to celebrate it days from now. And usually on my birthday, uh, it's going to sound so sad, but because I think because I don't plan to do anything and because nobody like does the surprise bullshit for me, it's usually no different than any other day off. With the exception of I will pull the it's my birthday card on my wife all day long. <laughs> hey, baby, can you can you go get this? <laughs> no, that birthday. Okay. What I mean, do you want? I want doesn't this. Doesn't she do that to you? I mean, yeah, yeah. Does, does she? Birthday is she one of the ones that does? Oh, it's my birthday week. <laughs> if she wanted to, I would let her, but she usually saves it for her birthday. Okay. She she is nowhere near as as needy or asky as I am. On my birthday, I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> fuck no. Today, I wish to be pampered. Today, today, I do want to feel like a king. And it's nothing big. I mean, I may ask her to get me some food or I'll pick somewhere where I want to go eat. That's usually what I do is just find some place I want to eat. The thing that I did this year that I tried to get her to understand is I finally came to a... This is where the decision-making in my marriage was coming to a fault. 
my uh, my my wife, I love her to death, but she does not make decisions. That's fine. I can understand that decisions suck, and sometimes you make the wrong ones. But she doesn't like to make them. You give her two decisions, she goes, "I don't know," and she will, "I don't know," till you make a decision. <laughs> Usually, it's me making this the decisions in the household for various things. What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? What are we going to see? What do you want? Etc. I know that feeling. To the point of when I am out with another group of people, be it work, social gatherings, whatever, and it comes to, let's say, dinner time. Hey, where do I want to eat? We'll go eat. Oh, go ask Michael. Now, fuck no, don't ask me. <laughs> oh, come on. Nope. Nuh-uh. I do not make the decisions when I'm out with friends and or family. I don't do it anymore. I pass the buck. I will make a point, an issue of it. Like I'm not making a choice. I have to make choices every single day, either at work or with my wife. You guys can get your heads together and figure out where you want to go eat. I can eat anywhere. It's fine. But uh, for my birthday this year, I was trying to trying to play that card back on her, and it wasn't working. So the conversation was, hey, baby, where do you want to go eat for your birthday? I don't feel like picking. I shouldn't have to pick. It is my birthday. You pick. <laughs> so the answer was, it doesn't work that way. It's your birthday. You have to pick. And I go, no, no. It is my birthday. Therefore, I don't have to pick. And you have to pick for me. No, you have to pick where you want to eat for your birthday. And it just went back and forth. I was like, damn it, I have to pick something on my birthday. I still got to do something. <laughs> So, oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Complainer is I. So I went and had some sushi. It was a pretty good night. But all in all, my birthdays are even on the, the, the three times off I could think of. I'm just so fucking lazy and boring, and nobody really cares what I do for my birthday. I just sit here in at the house, and I play games or do something that I do any other day off, and I just don't do a damn thing. And I, you know, reply to 50, 60 Facebook notifications saying, hey, yeah. everybody. Um, I did get some gifts. I got some gifts early because my wife and I had went shopping at local stores all over the coast a few days prior. And I, she, we both bought stuff. She got stuff and I got stuff. So some of this stuff was kind of from her birthday, kind of not, whatever. And then a couple of days later, my birthday did come around. Uh, again, as as out of the blue, just just as out of the blue as my big ass grin about Infinity War came across my face, she just goes, "Do you want to go to GameStop and get your Switch?" And I was like, <laughs> "Uh, I had already had all this shit like worked out. Just just how I was handling the finances of buying this Switch. I was gonna mm-hmm. there was gonna be a particular time I was gonna buy it, some way that I was gonna shuffle some money around, save a little bit here and there. Had it all worked out." And she just just throws out the fucking Joker card. Just bam! You want to just go get it? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm the financier of the house. I'm the responsible one. This and that. Mario Odyssey. Yeah, no, I just can't. <laughs> there's, there's got. I, I need to stick to this payment plan thing because if I play this, you want to play Mario Odyssey. And if I just do this this way, it'll be okay. And yeah, I think we're gonna go to go to GameStop. <laughs> so yeah, I I went to the local GameStop and picked myself up a new copy of Mario Odyssey and a new copy of uh, Snipper Clips, 
and bought a brand spanking new uh, Nintendo Switch. The red and the red and uh, blue kind, if anybody's that curious. I want to take a minute to talk about this experience, though. All right. Uh, before that, I would kind of like to make an end of time cast statement. Chris, do you do you have a problem with GameStop? Not really. Me neither. I think the end of time endorses a GameStop. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. I I buy shit at GameStop all the time. It's primarily where I go to buy anything video game related. Now, if I go to any of the other local department stores around me or any any uh, electronic stores, and we're stri- specifically talking about physical consoles or physical copies of games, now half of my library exists on Steam. So typically yeah. my new games are bought online. That's That's the end of that story. But if I'm buying a console or a physical hard copy of a game, usually I go to GameStop, and I will shop other places. I'll shop all my normal off, uh, online and offline places, my brick-and-mortar stores all the way around. Really, just for availability and pricing, GameStop is there. I just I don't know what to tell people. I know it's. I, I get how GameStop can be bad. I get that it kills a lot of parts of the industry, but... The way that I combat that is now that I'm I'm older and I can actually afford to, I try my best to buy newer games as often as I can. So, there's that. But, so I'm at GameStop. Already knew what I was going for. I already had the two games I was going to go for in my mind. I wanted to check some accessories real quick to see if there's anything else I wanted to buy or needed to buy. There wasn't. So, I say, hey. I want a brand new Switch, I want a new copy of Odyssey, and I want a new copy of Snipperclips. Let's get this going. And the sales pitch this guy tried to give me, I'll never forget. He goes and grabs the games ahead of time. He's like, I'm going to go ahead and grab those games for you while you're still looking around. Well, I'll have them ready for you. He's like, hey, good idea. Goes and gets the games. We're done. We go up to the counter. And I'm like, I would like one new Nintendo Switch. He's like, cool. Just out of curiosity, you have any new ones, used ones? He said, "Yeah." I was like, "How much? What's the price difference?" He said, "It's it's only twenty bucks." And I mean, you're really just. I was like, "Ah, fuck it, I'll pay twenty bucks and get a new console, no problem." He pulls down the switch, and then he pulls down an extra set of Joy Cons, and he says, "You know, the great thing about you getting a Nintendo Switch." with the red and blue controllers is that, and only for this console, if you get the extra pair of Joy-Cons, they will also be blue and red, and they will match. So you will have two sets of matching Joy-Cons. I was like, well, that's cool to know. He sets the switch on the counter and sets the the controllers on the counter. Mind you, Chris, extra Joy-Cons are 80, 85 something dollars after tax. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, he's talking to me about the protection plan, and if I want to add the, the, the disc scratch protection and blah, blah, blah to the disc, and I was like, no, thank you. Hey, uh, those are extra Joy-Cons, right? They don't come with the, with the console? He goes, no. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't, I don't need those. And then he puts them back on the hanger. And I'll, so, so moving on. So, he's going through the, you know, is there anything would you like? He he pulls down one of these. Uh, the, his other his, his compadre pulls down a classic controller. like, hey man, you're gonna get those Joy Cons home and not gonna like them. I know I didn't like them. You might want to pick up this fifty something dollar classic controller. 
I was like, you know what? Let me go home and play with the Switch for a couple days, see how I like them. And if I don't, sure, I'll pick up a classic controller. I love classic controllers. That sale didn't go. He was like, you know, they got this stand over here that will uh, charge your Joy-Cons on the side. You don't have to hook them up to the thing. And I'm like, yeah, but the Joy-Cons have like a 20-hour battery life if your Switch is docked. So even in my best <laughs> my best marathons, I'm not known for playing 20 hours straight. So I'm probably not going to need that. Just knocking down all these sales ideas. Uh so in the end, we purchased those things. Uh, I did end up getting a, getting a screen protector, which I was going to buy one online any damn way. Yeah. And we left. I got in the car, and I was like, baby, you mean to tell me this motherfucker just trying to slick sell me on some fucking $85 controllers, and his sales pitch is, you know... Because you're getting this switch. If you get these, they'll have, they'll match colors. She was like, yeah. I was like, wow. That's almost as bad <laughs> as me being eight, 17 years old and the Marine recruiter calling me and going, Oh, your name's Michael. My name's Michael too. We're going to get along great whenever you sign up. It's like, That's not the way life works, buddy. I'm not going to sign my fucking life away to the Marines because your name is Michael and mine is too. And I'm not dropping $85 on a pair of extra fucking Joy-Cons just because the colors match. Oh, man. I feel for those guys at GameStop. I really do. I feel for the pushes they have to do. I let them go through their spiel as much as I can. I try to cut them off as politely as I can. No, I'm not interested in a new title. No, I'm not interested in pre-ordering. No, I don't need the scratch protection. I know they have to go through it. Mm-hmm. I also, not just for GameStop, but for other places I go shopping at, I usually take these surveys and take them home and do them because, shit, yeah, I'd love to just have a $500 gift card to GameStop pop in my mailbox. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a fun time. So I got the I got the switch home, hooked it up, and my wife and I played snipper clips for a few hours. We played through the first like two entire sets of the of the the game. Very fun mm-hmm. game. Before I get into Mario Odyssey, I will say that I am uh I'm still no, you know what? Fuck it. Played Mario Odyssey the next night. And I made a I made a Facebook page. I made a Facebook post because <laughs> I, I apparently am getting too old. I had this fucking switch hooked up. I had a brand new video game console with a brand new game that I eagerly want to play right the fuck in front of me. And I'm online looking at, it wasn't just what I posted. It's all kind of shit. I was looking at Amazon for, for fucking decorating ideas for our house. Uh, I was looking up. Uh, new pet care, like ways to build new cages for our, our pet rabbits. I was looking up uh, different, different like tips on how to pressure wash my house now that I have a pressure washer and all this stuff. And it came to a point where I went, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I am off. I do not have to work. I have no fucking responsibilities today. I've had all, every chore in our house was completed. I had nothing to do but eat and shit and play video games. And I was online looking up fucking grown-ass man bullshit. So I had to stop and go, play the fucking game, dude. And I, I, it wasn't just that, Chris. I don't know if you're this way as well, but I tend to push the thing that I want to do the most further back. 
kind of because I don't I want to take my time and I, I know it's going to end eventually. I don't know if that yeah. makes I don't know if that makes any sense. But. I also know that you know once I get going on what I'm do on you know a game or something, I'm not going to want to stop. Precisely. I'm going to want to see it through, so I want to make sure I have time. Yeah, I've been doing that you know since I moved. It's like well, I could play a game, but I have this stuff around our apartment that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I started playing Super Mario Odyssey, and I enjoy it. So far, I've made it through the first uh, zone, and I'm holding off. A, I'm holding off initial takes on this. I'll mm-hmm. tell you right now, I'm enjoying it. It's what the fuck it's supposed to be, folks. It's a Mario game. It's on a new console. Holy shit! That's all you need to know. If you need to be sold on a on Mario in 2018. You have other you have other things that need to be worked on. Mario sells itself. <laughs> Mario, Zelda, fucking maybe even Donkey Kong Country. I guess those those should sell themselves. You should be able to see those titles and go. Those are must play. Uh, the problem with me is I have seen through reviews, through like let's plays. I haven't watched entire let's plays of Mario Odyssey, but I've seen like two or three episodes because I wanted yeah. to see the gameplay. I've basically seen the entirety of that first first area done, so I kind of knew. I th- I think I think I got maybe moons. I think I got like maybe nine, ten, eleven moons, and I knew mm-hmm. how to get like half of them. I just knew yeah. what they were. Uh, spoiler warnings, I guess, for Mario Odyssey. Like I knew that the eight bit area was there. I knew the T-Rex was there, and you could take over the T-Rex. I knew that there were chomp, chomp, chain chomps in the area, and you could take those over, and that's how you got mm-hmm. puzzles. I knew half of what to do, so I, I just I did that and then discovered the other ones on my own. And I do see, Chris, I do see what people are talking about with this game, how it has that Zelda mentality where it's, I know I need to go this way, but there's a moon over there, and I know I can get to it. Oh, there's a moon over there. I know I can get to it. There's a moon. Oh, I, th- that was me that whole time. As soon yep. as I beat, I think I got like two or three moons before I beat that first that first area's boss. And it was like, hey, you got the powered up moon thing. You should go to the thing and move to the next level. I didn't. I just kept going <laughs> around exploring and jumping and trying new things. So... Definitely has my interest. I can see myself already. I can see myself going into levels, be it 15 moons to get past or 400 moons and just being lost, just going and fucking around. Um, another thing I did like is that that game gives you tips that if you didn't know how to do these tricks to this game, mm-hmm. they, they teach you. And I hear from what I hear, even all the tips and tricks in the game, they don't teach you everything. So that's that's pretty cool. It seems like it leaves a lot of experimentation with this with this Cappy uh uh system they have. Yeah, that's where I was talking about before how I had watched a uh speed run. So I had seen the, you know, mechanics with the hat and able to do certain things to get places you perhaps aren't supposed to be able to yet or in a way you're not supposed to and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had an advantage there, and it made a huge difference. Right, right. So 
from the exploration of the game to the experimentation of the game to the fact that it's just a fucking Mario game, the fact that it's an open world Mario game, I can already tell that I'm going to I'm going to be digging this a lot. I also like the fact that it is star that it's star, the fact that it's moon based like this. I can totally just pick this up, go grab two or three moons, and then quit if I want to. Yeah. Or I can pick it up and spend fucking nine hours and get 75 moons <laughs> and then quit. So it's, it's up my alley. I'm interested in it. I'm going to keep playing it. I may be able to get some gameplay in tonight before I have to go to sleep, but editing and life and et cetera. I had a, had a good three days off, thankfully. Um, I only spent a little bit of time with Mario. But again, it also goes to me like trying to fucking milk this for everything it's worth. I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to just blow the game out like I did with Zelda. I'm gonna take my time and I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah, did you notice that when you look at the map you can go left or something and then see a list of moons that are in the level? No, I didn't even There if you look in the menu, I can't remember exactly where it is because it's been now a month or so since I played it, mm-hmm. but uh, it and it won't show you like the name of the moon, but mm-hmm. it'll have a numbered list. And if you've gotten the hint from the parrot or whatever it is that's randomly around, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it'll show the name of it huh. uh, nice. after that point. But before that, it won't show the name until you have collected it. Mm-hmm. But that way, you know how many are in an area and how many you still have to go. That's good. That's good. Good to know, because. When I got the first, like, five or six moons, I was like, well, that's got to be it. Those are the obvious ones right in front of me. And then I got another one and another one. <laughs> and Because there wasn't, like, get this of this. I just kept getting them, and they just kept adding to the to the count. Yeah. I do have one question for you, Chris, if you know okay. it. The purple coins in Mario Odyssey, Yes. do they do anything? Uh, I believe their purpose is only to purchase stuff in the shop. Okay, okay. So well, even that, that's... To, I believe there's moons in the shop that cost the coins. Gotcha. Or costume items you need for other moons in the level, stuff like that. Gotcha. Because I did, I made it a fucking point to grab 40 out of 40 in that first area. Mm-hmm. Uh, three eluded me for a long time. Until I, again, <laughs> the more you explore, just like any exploration style game, the more shit comes open to you. Uh, a couple quick notes about the Switch itself. Uh, I do play it docked for obvious reasons. Uh, I did, the, the Switch does come with like a comfort controller. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically, it looks like the, the, uh, controlling, the, uh, co- the charging dock, but it's in your hand. Yep. Which I believe the charging dock as well puts in your hand. It's a way to charge it. Uh, either way, it, it makes it kind of like a, Sort of like a classic controller, just narrowed together. I played that way for probably about 15 minutes, and I said, no, I like having the Joy-Cons in my hand. And I always saw and heard stories of people that are like, yeah, man, I'm like on my couch, and I've got my left hand like back behind my head, and my right hand's like fucking hanging over the side of the couch, and I'm playing that way. And as a person who has, I know this is a small fucking detail, but it's still fucking cool to me. For a person that is that, and to this day, even when given the option to play with a fucking mouse and keyboard, I have a controller in my hand, and have predominantly been playing with a fixed controller with my hands together for thirty something years. I like the ability to just fucking put my hands anywhere, 
I can be totally fucking lazy. I'll just, I'll just be splayed out in this chair and I'm still playing this game. It's actually a pretty cool comfort. Uh, my hesitation and, and this is, this is where the, where Nintendo is going to either blow my mind over the next year or two or they're going to disappoint me. For me, this was a $300 console. $300 is not $500 or $600 like they used to be back in the day, but still it's yeah. 300 fucking dollars. I've already played Breath of the Wild. I've already maxed that game out in my, in my own mindset. I've already put over 500 something hours total into that game. So I will not be buying that for the Switch. Uh, I have Odyssey. I have Snooper Clips just because it's a fun game. Me and my wife can play it together. Mm-hmm. But even that game, I mean, once her and I make it through all those puzzles, I'm pretty sure that game's going to be done. Yeah, I don't think that one's worth it, isn't it? Sixty bucks as well. Uh, it's twenty twenty nine. It's like thirty bucks. Uh, is it okay? Yeah, it might have gone down from when I looked at yeah. it. Or I was there was at a else, but. there was a digital download code for twenty, and I got the physical copy for thirty. Yeah. Okay, but and it was also the updated updated version. Sorry, I just went through puberty over the headset <laughs> and over the microphone. But I think it's like a maybe it has more levels in it. It's not the actual snooper yeah. clips it's like the 2.0 version whatever yeah they've it, updated it yeah but either way i feel that this is a typical game kind of like and uh, i don't want to say uh plants versus zombies because that does have some variation but whenever you beat this is one of those games that once you beat all the puzzles you're i mean you're pretty much done yeah uh looking out at the landscape of what's out now of course the, the console is still baby new and then looking out at what's coming up just in this year, not really worried, just like, mm, I'm not feeling what's coming out so much. I'm waiting for the Metroid Prime 4. I I, I mean, I may get uh, Tropical Freeze, but I already have Tropical Freeze. Uh, I'm not going to buy Doom again. The, the, the big appeal right now, the big draw for the Switch right now, today, as of this recording, is people are clamoring to get things ported to the Switch. Because the portability of these games, one, and two, the updates and uh, little additions and, and uh, quality of life things that they're doing for these games when they're being ported to the Switch has drawn some appeal. People want, like, yeah, port everything. You port it all to the Switch. That's fine. I get that, and I'm all down for that. But Nintendo... You know, exclusives. I need Star Fox. I need Zelda. I need Mario. I need Donkey Kong. And I mean, I'm getting most of those. I guess the only one I haven't heard anything about yet is Star Fox. But, oh man, I just don't know. I need some reasons for me to have wanted this console so bad. Yeah. Uh, Zelda would have done it. Zelda would have, bl- if I would have only bought this console and only got Zelda, price met. I said the same thing when I bought my Wii U. The, yes, I've, I've got like maybe maybe eight games for the Wii U. Buying Breath of the Wild was enough for me. No problem. Now I've got Mario. We'll see how that pans out, but that's only one game. I, I don't want this to be... I, I'm saying this on the large scale of I don't want the Switch to be another Wii. I don't want it to be... I definitely don't want it to be a Wii U. I want it to be a console that has a fucking host of Nintendo awesome fucking laundry list of library good games. That's what I want. I need that. I need one or two solid good Kirby games. I need a Star Fox game. I'm hoping Metroid uh, Prime 4 is going to be great. And the list goes on. So we'll see. 
We'll see as time as time goes on. Right now, I don't. There's nothing out or coming out that is making me just burn a hole in my wallet. We'll see. It's it's, it's still new. I'm not gonna be that fucking itchy about a brand new console. But if, you know, a year down the road and there's still nothing, my library has gone up two games. Whew, that's gonna be bad. I really hope that they didn't fucking blow their load in 2017. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Um. Also, what's been burning a lot of my energy this last week was playing Dark Souls 3. I made mention last week that I was starting to play Neo and then respectfully went back to Dark Souls 3 because I did not finish it. It yeah. didn't take me too long to get back into Dark Souls 3, and I'm all up in it. Having said that, every other game that I was also working on has been put on a hold right now. Cuphead I'm still working on, but that's on hold. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles have been put on an indefinite hold. Persona 5... I've been trying to get back to that, but Dark Souls 3 has really been taking my time up. I may pick up Persona 5 again. I said 3, I think. I think I said 3. Fuck. Anyway, I may go back to Persona 5 whenever Dark Souls 3 is finished. We shall see. But again, I'm, I'm either halfway through or close to the end of that first area of Persona 5, and it's not blowing my mind. It's, it's, it's just, it's just what it is, folks. The game's okay, but it's not, I don't feel like, for me, it's not 50. Not saying the mm-hmm. quality of the game doesn't show 50. For me, it was not a, I shouldn't have went out and bought this when, when I did so far. We'll see what the latter part of this first area is like. We'll see what it's like when more shit gets opened up. We'll see. But Dark Souls 3 is definitely taking my time up. And oh man, it's just, oh, I have plowed through fucking area after area and boss after boss. And I love it. I don't know why. I love getting my ass kicked. But... I actually do know why I love getting my ass kicked because I can get in and I can learn and it's skill based and oh I fucking love it. It takes a little to there's two games that really takes little to nothing for me to get into lately. I can pick up a Katamari Damacy game and just fucking just go ape shit stupid happy in no time. I can go from zero to to ex, ex, just super excited with that. And then the same thing with Dark Souls. I can pick up any one of these Dark Souls and just, just oh I fucking love it. Only story I have as of recent was there was, so I was at this area, I think it's a cathedral area, uh, spoilers for Dark Souls 3, potentially? It's not really. If you know Dark Souls games, you know that they, especially with 2 and 3, they come with DLC. Actually, all of them come with DLC. And yeah. typically, they are accessed in the game somewhere. And you either know how to do it, or you don't, and you just stumble in. Well, I didn't know where this fucking DLC was, and I just stumbled in. I was talking to this NPC, and he was like, hey, you should check this thing out. And I checked the thing out, and I got sucked in through a fucking portal, and landed (laughs) in this new fucking area. And I was like, where the fuck am I? What the fuck is this? Oh shit, this fucking area was hard extremely hard the only thing that curbed the the difficulty initially was immediately when i got sucked in through this portal i was like where the fuck am i going because in any dark souls game or any metroid style game where you are basically there there's branching paths all throughout this game and you're like okay there was a left and a right i took a right now i'm on a left a right and a middle okay i'm gonna take a left Okay, I've got a mental track of what the fuck I'm doing. 
I'm, there's a left, right, again, I'm going to take the right, a left, right, again, I'm going to take a right again, and then, boom, I got sucked into a portal. And I was like, I, I need to go back. I need to go back and continue to see what the other areas was like. Because when I get back here, I'm not going to remember where the fuck I did or did not go. I'm going to have to relearn that area all over again. But also, I was like, oh, shit, where the fuck am I? What's happening to me? And then within probably about five minutes, I found a bonfire. I was like, oh, thank God. But that that place was rough, <laughs> um, extremely rough. They were long. I, I, I have mixed, mixed feelings about it. There are ways that Dark Souls handles difficulty, and one of the ways that I don't like that's kind of mm-hmm. lazy to me, while still challenging, I don't prefer it, is let's just throw a shit ton of monsters at you. It just enemy spam you. And this this had a couple areas like that with extremely long runs without a bonfire. For those of you who don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about, in Dark Souls, you go from safe zone to safe zone and get killed in between a lot. And the safe zones are marked by bonfires. You have a way to heal yourself, and that he those heals have a have a set amount. So you have like ten times you can heal yourself. When those ten run out, you're just fucked. The only way to heal yourself again is to either die or make your way back to a bonfire and basically recharge your healing ability, or make it to the next bonfire. Uh, this DLC area had, I mean, good God extremely difficult and challenging enemies and it was a lot of them in between the like two or three bonfires it had it was very challenging um new monsters to learn of course new bosses to fight and new new strategies to learn but yeah i walked away i have not beaten the boss of that for anybody wondering because i know people go oh you beat that bitch did you no i did not beat that bitch i'm gonna come back and i will i will beat her letter uh, later, once maybe I've got some more stuff around me. I'm sure there's strategies and whatnot, but I'm not a fan of looking up strats on how to beat bosses in Dark Souls. I want to do it on my own. Um, long story short, it is a three-phase boss. I didn't know that until about two hours later fighting this fucking person. Because <laughs> it took me 20, 30 minutes the first time to kill her. Once I killed her, a fucking second phase happened, and I was like, oh, great, this is fucking Ornstein and Smo all over again from Dark Souls 1, and then I kept dying and dying and dying, and then got up out of my seat when I was like, yes, I beat this one, and then phase three started. I said, <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, so I'll get back to that part. I'm, I'm continuing on with the main story. I, I, I could not tell you how far I'm in this game because I don't know. Everything's blind to me, and... I'm I'm working my way through it, and and I'm having fun. That been my week. A lot of Dark Souls three, a brand new Switch. I think I'm done, Chris. (laughs) How was your week? It was uh, it was actually pretty good. Um, I've I actually got to do stuff other than you know carry boxes around and furniture around and put furniture together and all this stuff. Um, not to say there wasn't any of that because I've spent the last two days um, unloading stuff on the pod I previously talked about shipping out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been doing that, but uh, in the meantime, I have watched and played stuff. So I've been on a D&D kick uh-huh. since we started playing 
Um, I went back and I've been watching the Achievement Hunter uh, D&D series they have. I'm almost finished with it. Uh, two years worth of episodes. Uh, been kind of binge watching that when I'm not playing stuff. Or at least when I'm playing and streaming. When I'm streaming I don't watch, but when I was playing offline I would watch it at the same time. This is um, a ju- just for clarity. This is them. Yeah. This is a group of people on this on the game. The, the basically game game achievement people playing D anD D. It's the achievement hunters playing D anD D. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Tabletop uh, format, cameras, mics. Yada yes. yada yada. Okay. Yes. Because um, this sounds interesting to me. Yeah, they're not doing like I was talking about how you do the uh, roll twenty and stuff like some other uh, channels I watch do. Mm-hmm. They actually have one of the tables with a screen <gasps> with a grid on it and stuff, and the oh, uh, DM cool. controls it from a little tablet he has, wow. so he can do the map and stuff as he wants. And they put figures on it and whatnot, uh, miniatures. Dude, that's cool. And all that. So yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch, and it's been helping my creativity because we're still playing D&D ourselves mm-hmm. uh, we played this past weekend uh, and it wasn't a big thing it was just a little short session because um, I hadn't really planned because of all the moving stuff but it was it's always interesting because the oldest he he's determined he and he, he plays a rogue I mentioned that last time but mm-hmm. he's determined to get right up in the face of the enemies <laughs> And he can't be doing that. He went down almost immediately. And he was taunting this guy and stuff. And the uh, the boss was actually bound. So he couldn't hit anybody. And he kept failing his uh, breaking free rolls. Oh, man. So he was bound and we were just wailing on him. But, of course, he runs up, decides to swing his sword at him, misses, and then the boss goes next. And one shots him, and he falls to the ground unconscious. I'm like, oh my god, come on! Did he learn a lesson? I don't know. That's kind of. <laughs> we finished the fight and uh, picked him up, and of course we were. I had the NPC that I control, and that's part of the party, just giving him all kinds of crap about it. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, you know, anybody that knew anything about it was making wisecracks at his expense. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that helped, you yeah. know, kind of uh, enforce that lesson. To, You're a squishy rogue. And he even, I uh, I made a point of the NPC buying a bow at the city they were in before they left so that they would be ranged. And, you know, he got that hint and bought himself a bow as well. So he then had a ranged attack because he could only throw daggers before that. Mm. So it's like, all right. Let's get some range damage because one of the reasons they uh, failed, uh, lost the fight early on was there was no range damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the enemies had range, so they just shot them and took them all down before they got in, you know, hitting range. But so it was it was fun and hopefully a learning experience. I've already started working on the next area, so to speak, and the next encounters I have planned. And I'm really enjoying it now, just the whole planning aspect. Uh, one, when you sent me the message earlier that you were ready to start, the reason I didn't see the message on my phone was because my phone was set off to the side, and I was going through a uh, the uh, player's handbook and the DM guide and stuff, building characters and setting up uh, on a uh, piece of uh, 
graph paper, uh, <laughs> the layout of uh, keep and stuff that they're about to go to. So I was I was zoned. I had zoned everything out. And I was focused on what I was doing. Completely understandable. I'd also remind you that uh, sometime in the near future, you and I need to do that. Uh, I'm saying that uh, the bio. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. We'll say that as a surprise for the audience someday in the future. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, we also so I mentioned before that there there is a Pokemon D and D already set up with rules and stuff called a Pokemon Tabletop Adventure, mm-hmm. and we played that as well, and. I think it is certainly interesting and could be enjoyable, but it doesn't seem balanced. Um, Which is sad to say because Pokemon's fairly fucking balanced. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if it's just because I, I kind of need to go back and play the game and look and see how the very early game is. You know, the first ten minutes of the game because that's kind of what the uh, what they were. You know, they went and got their starter Pokemon. And then they were heading out, and they got into their first encounter. And I had rolled randomly to see how many enemies there were, enemy Pokemon there were, mm-hmm. and I got four. Well, we were all playing, so we had four characters. So you think, okay, four v four. But because the enemies went first, they got ambushed. That completely screwed everybody over. Mm. And people, uh, the their Pokemon essentially got one shot. Mine managed to get in two kills. Wow. Um, before getting knocked out. Uh, but it was very rough. And the, uh, like I said, I, I don't know if it's actually balanced or if it's imbalanced and I just, or if it's balanced and I just kind of threw too much of them at once. You know, if there were two of them or if they had the ability to call the Pokemon first because the Pokemon weren't even out yet. So they got attacked. They got attacked and then... By the time they got the Pokemon out, Pokemon got attacked and then went down before even doing anything in some of their cases. <laughs> so it was very rough, and uh, I'm either maybe going to have to do some tweaking to the move damage or just lower the encounter some. But I don't know. We'll see. I- I'm more focused on the regular d and I'm having a lot more fun with that because, man, that Pokemon D&D is way more complicated than regular D&D. <laughs> And yeah, I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I want the youngest to really play regular D&D because it's so complicated. But now this, yeah, I may just end up scrapping it. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, that was the weekend and again today working on some planning uh, while watching D&D overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the video game side, I did go back to Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I've been working on that quite a bit did i mention Uh, to you that i bought that i have a copy of that now maybe okay i think if not if not i do i bought that one in i think a couple ps2 game ps3 games yeah it's when i bought yakuza that's right yeah yeah yeah. so i may get into that sometime and anyway sorry just make sure i let you know that i took your i took your offer (laughs) yeah so i'm uh I don't I don't know what my hours in the game are right now anymore, but I'm uh, I'm up to level 47. I believe it caps at 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've almost capped my level out, and I'm 77% uh, done with the game on the tracker. I am so 
the way I was playing before is I was going through and trying to do a lot of side stuff before doing the story missions, you know, as you do. Um, and I'm now thinking that was a bit of a mistake because I started doing the main missions, the story missions. Mm-hmm. And man, that's it's so good. Um, the story actually makes sense. You start learning about these robots where they came from, you know, what happened before, why is the world like this, and it is well done and interesting. Well, I'm glad that you're saying this, because you remember that was my hang-up, was that I made it probably an hour into the story and went, eh, not bad. If, yeah, if you're the, telling me it gets better, good. Yeah, once you get into the lore behind it, and I was kind of doing a thing where I, you pick up the little piece of intel or whatever, you know. Uh, if it was something that didn't, it wasn't a voice attached to it or a recording, I would kind of skim a couple parts of it and then close it because I didn't care. But now that I've gone, whenever I'm in a story mission area, and there's tons of them at that point, I'm actually reading through them because they give so much information. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of the voice recordings and the main actual character interactions and story stuff um, so yeah this is definitely a game where do the story missions <laughs> at least periodically and don't yeah. get don't push them off too long because I was admittedly getting a little bored with the game hmm. because I was like alright I'm going to kill some robots okay killing some more robots okay getting these collectibles blah 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 okay I'm just kind of grinding it out but um Another thing that helped is I'm I've almost maxed out the skill tree. I only have two more things to unlock. Um, actually, it might just be one now. But yeah, once all those things are unlocked, it's again so much more enjoyable because you have all these options. You're stronger when you're running from area to area. Uh, I recently unlocked the uh, last stealth perk which lets you sprint and make less noise. Mm. So that, you know, makes it easier to go from area to area uh, and not draw attention. Yeah, so overall, I'm enjoying it more. I was hoping to play some more today and actually see if I could finish the story, but I was busy with uh, apartment stuff, so mm-hmm. I didn't get to, but I'm... That's my goal probably for this weekend is to finish up that game completely. Nice. I have I have done all the side stuff now as far as collectibles. Um, well, I'll say most of it. There's a couple I don't know if I can unlock until I progress the story some more. Mm-hmm. But as far as like... <clears throat> um, and I still have to do the hunter things. Um, but as far as viewpoints, these the mugs, uh, the little metal flowers... And then the little deer horse things. I have all those done. Everything that shows up as a collectible on the collectible tracker thing. Nice. Um, So, yeah. So, now I just need to go through and I'm working on the side quests. And and then I'll do more of the main uh, storyline. But aside from that, I did... uh, Start playing Monster Hunter World. Oh, yes. Oh, completely forgot that you had that. Yeah. So, 
I only played about two to three hours of it. Okay. When I played it. Um, I, the initial tutorial type thing takes roughly 30 minutes to go through. And that was, you know, watching all the dialogue or listening to all the dialogue and all the, you know, cutscenes and stuff. Um, and it's not really, it's not a straight up tutorial. It's kind of an intro thing. So it's not like you're talking about where they just keep spamming you with, you know, tutorial stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's near as bad in this one. Uh, it will pop up with the tutorial thing, but then you can immediately close it and it doesn't like force you to go through menus. Um, I want to say at all. There may be one or two where they force you to hit this and that, but after that, as soon as they pop up, you can close them. Um, the the character customization is not as in-depth as I expected because I had heard people, oh, I, well, I spent an hour customizing my character, you know, before I even got into the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. <laughs> there isn't near, there aren't near enough options for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what was going on there. But you do have this little cat uh, companion thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can customize it as well. Even fewer options. It's a cat. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Um, but getting into the actual gameplay, I'm going to throw this out here now. I don't know if Monster Hunter is a game for me. Okay. I I feel like there's just something not clicking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the game looks okay. One of my first notes I took on the game was the uh, funny, awkward climbing. (laughs) So in the intro, you have to climb up this wall a couple times, and that is one of the worst animations I have ever seen. Wow. It is just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's super fast but kind of moving all over the place instead of just, you know, like a straight climb up. It's like, oh, all over to the left and then the right and moving up really, really fast. It's like the animation, the speed of the animation doesn't match up with the speed of the climb. Oh, I gotcha. So it's like, all right, move up one handhold, but I've moved like 16 times and moving up that one handhold. Jesus. Um, It's not a good animation loop. And it's a very short loop, I think, is also part of the problem. So you've got like three frames in the loop, and then it repeats like ten times in one second. So it's just, I don't know. Um, another thing I did not like that I noticed at the very beginning is that the character is completely silent. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I. It, and it's not one of those where it's well done and covered up. Mm-hmm. It's that awkward, oh, hey, I'm going to sit here and talk to you, and you just kind of nod or, you know, something like that. It, it's not... I don't know. It's not uh, done well. Yeah. But um, for the actual gameplay, I need to go in and see if the what options there are for mapping the controller. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that because I didn't go back and play it again yet. Mm-hmm. But once I do play again, I'm going to go in and look at the options because the default options are a little awkward because you have to press like triangle to swipe at it after pulling out your weapon, which you can pull out your weapon with R2 or triangle, but it 
then if you hit R2, it does something else. So I just wanted to, excuse me, I just wanted to keep tapping R2 to hit. Um, but it, I don't know. It, the mapping is a little wonky. So I'm hoping I can change that. I would imagine so. But I haven't looked to try yet. Um, I also think one of my problems with this is I have not played multiplayer. Yeah. I only played by myself. I didn't even try to join any other groups mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to get you know familiar with the game and whatnot. Um, I don't know if it's because if it's normal for the Monster Hunter games, but I feel like my weapon progression is super slow. Hmm. Um, I, I get that you have to you know get the materials and whatnot but I don't feel like I'm even given the opportunity to get the materials. Um, I think, so, there are your normal missions you go on, and they're timed, you know, with like an hour. Right. But once you complete it, you it only gives you a minute, and then it kicks you out. Yeah. So, for the first hour and a half, I was kind of annoyed because I wanted to complete the mission and then explore some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I finally, um, probably in the last 30 minutes I played, unlocked what are called expeditions, which actually let you go out and do whatever you want right? until you come back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it, I, th- I think it has a time limit as well, but you're not, you don't have specific goals or anything. But yeah. It's like an hour, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, and you actually, expeditions will let you complete these other sub-quest objective type things. So that was nice. I was able to actually go out. I was able to kill things I wanted, farm some things I wanted. But I don't know. I don't even know what I need for my next upgrades because they're hidden behind question marks because I haven't found the items. Hmm. So it's not until you have the item, you don't know what it's used for. Right. Uh, It's not like you have this recipe that goes, oh, you need this bone from this creature. It's just question marks. And then you get the bone and you're like, oh, I can use that over here. Yeah, so I'm still also trying to figure out what style of weapon I want to use. I started out with the uh, two daggers type things um, because I know I'm going to use dodge for my defense. I wasn't worried about the shield um, and blocking and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the daggers are nice. They just don't do enough damage, I think, to help balance out the... Um, to balance out the lack of defense because I was I equipped the big you know buster sword category of weapon and it felt much faster even though the weapon swings you know slow as molasses Uh, I still felt like it was overall faster than the daggers which and and that's at the same upgrade level yeah I don't know. It it, <clears throat> it feels like maybe the game's a little too slow for me and that it doesn't give you more opportunities to upgrade. Um, I don't know. I need to go more through this story and see what I unlock because what I like to do is do a story mission and then, you know, whatever that unlocks, complete that and then move on. But maybe this is like a Horizon Zero Dawn thing where I just need to go through the story 
and then do everything else. Yeah. And then get it done with so I can just move on. But I don't know. I The trailer for the game showed you using this, you know, hook thing to swing around and all that. You have a hook thing. I've yet to use it. And I think I've seen like one spot where I could. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. You have the, every hunter has this crossbow looking thing on their left arm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm assuming was from the uh, trailer. But so far all it's been able to do for me, and I haven't even tried this until like right before I was turning the game off, I actually hit a different trigger and it pulled up, you know, the reticle for the crossbow thing, but I had no way to switch ammo. So it's, and I don't know if this is accurate or not. I still need to go again through the controls and see what my options are. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like my option for the crossbow thing was the last thing I picked up for it. Because I noticed that when I was picking up certain items, I would drop other ones that I was holding in that spot. So that's kind of annoying that you can't store these ammo uh, ammunition types, even if it's a few of each, to make that crossbow thing useful. Well, what I would say is that there's nothing to be ashamed of, of course. <laughs> like, don't ever feel bad. Just, I kind of, I'm kind of glad that this is working this way for you. And of course, duh, I hope this gets better. I hope, I hope you enjoy the game. I hope one or two or several things come around and just blow your mind and make you go, oh man, oh man, I'm into it now. But this is kind of the way that I feel about Persona 5 at the moment. Like, I can respectfully look at it and go, yes, I can see many reasons why people would like this. I can I can acknowledge things that deserve acknowledgement in the game, but it's just not clicking for me in some great way. I'm just I'm going through it, you know, and that's not not what I'm wanting out of it. If that makes any sense. Like, I, I guess because it's such a high touted RPG, because it comes from this lineage, etc. Mm-hmm. The similarity between Persona 5 and Monster Hunter World is that both of these games are new 8th generation console versions of these games that have a long history, with Persona, of course, having a much longer history. But either way, right. both of these games when they're viewed from people who have been there with this series from the get-go, they can meticulously point out their flaws and they can wholeheartedly praise their changes and additions. While as, or whereas you and I, like you, have played Monster Hunter barely and I haven't played Persona at all, I'm seeing I'm I'm take we're both taking these games for what they are. And yeah. that I mean that's just a there's not much more pure you can get than that with these games where neither one of these two are they're they're spiritual successors so to speak but they're not sequentially uh they're not sequential sequels. Right. Like apparently, you having not played the other Monster Hunters means dick to you playing this game. It's right. not gonna affect you. It's not gonna hurt you. It's not gonna be able to. You're not gonna have that scope and that vision. But 
you're not missing out on a story. And apparently the same thing for me with Persona. There's a lot of, and I can see them now, even this early in the game, I can see a lot of these areas where I can go, okay, this is something that's probably in the series. This is something, this is a a sequence or an event or a gimmick or a theme or something that I can just tell the way it's engineered, this is in here because it's always in all these games. But not to the degree where me having not played the games prior is affecting me. Me yeah. and we can both take these games at face value. Um, as far as me, I've at least made the resolution to make it past these two, not, not two, but make it past this first area. Let the bulk of this game get, get open. Let me play around with some of the things after I've beaten this first big castle, this is this first palace area and see what it's like. And I'm sorry, Chris, or anybody else is curious, even though I paid the full retail price for this game. If I've gotten past this first palace and put somewhere around 10 to 15 hours into it, I'm not feeling it. I won't play it. I do not make it a point to play games just because I paid the money for it. Now, yeah. does that mean that I got burned? Yeah, but I've been doing this shit for 30 years. I've been burned all over the place. This shit happens. What I did do was see this game at face value from what it was touted from other people, from all the reviews, from everybody shaking their hand at it going, you've got to play this game. I took that and I tried it out. And whether I paid 60 bucks or 5 bucks for it, if I don't like it, I just won't play it. I may turn it in. I may trade it. I wish you and I lived close together because I would love that if we both had this same thought about these games at the end of the day, I'd love to trade these two. Like, you play P5 and I'll play Monster Hunter. We'll see how we feel. But who knows? Again, just keep going, man. Definitely try the online stuff. Uh, apparently that's all, apparently that's a huge facet that I missed out on that game when I played the prior Monster Hunters. And I can get the appeal. You know, if you're going after a monster or several monsters, it's, it's more fun to do it with people. Cause it takes some of the load off of you. There's a sense of adventure. There's the, oh, you're new to this game? Shoot, I've been playing this since beta. Here's some things you need to know. It's, it's all that stuff. So maybe that will help. And maybe, the more you play it, the more familiar you'll get with the tactics and abilities and weapon upgrades and all this shit. And maybe you'll maybe it'll open up for you once the game finally opens up. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. If you don't, hey, sh- shit happens, man. <laughs> There's lots of other games out there for us to play. If it's not, I genuinely hope it's not though. I hope whatever whatever it is will come around and uh, and you'll like you'll like the game. Yeah. One thing I. Uh actually didn't write down and forgot about was when I first booted up the game, it gave me options because I have a PS4 Pro. It was like, do you want a better frame rate? Do you want better... And it was kind of funny in the wording. You had to actually look at the subtext under it, but it's like, do you want better graphics? Or do you want clearer graphics? Mm-hmm. Or something. It was something like that. It was It was... There were two options that you would both think was just going to both make it look better, but there was actually a difference between what it was doing graphically. Um, Yeah, so it actually gave you options of what you wanted the uh, PS4 Pro to do for you, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, It's the first time, first game so far that has had that 
option for me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have anything else to say about the game. I Right now, based on what I played for Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the DS and what I've seen played of other ones, what little bit that is, I'm not seeing a huge difference in the game hmm. between the old one and the new one. Sure, it looks it's a graphical upgrade, but aside from that, I'd be curious to actually see a breakdown that someone did of what the difference is between the last Monster Hunter game and this one. I can guide you to just that thing, Chris. There's, there is a video you can look up on YouTube. It's an IGN video, and while not knowing the exact words right now without looking up. It's something like 47 Monster Hunter World changes that only veterans would pick up on or something like that. Uh, it's a it's a breakdown of at least 47 things where they went, okay, this is an upgrade, this is an upgrade, this is different, this is different. And that is, this is something that I have picked up on and maybe if I had the game and played it, I could also shot, shed some personal light on it. But I've heard from many, many sources that for people that have played the old Monster Hunter games, there are several changes and specifically quality of life upgrades in this game. And that's something I'm looking forward to. I... I feel that that was one holdback for me from playing Monster Hunter Try is that, again, coming from Dark Souls, I can see how the shit that they did was archaic. How it took three steps to do something when really it should only take one. It's the typical yeah. Nintendo thing that I'm always used to seeing. It's like you guys are like two or three steps behind what's been done before. I don't need to pull up five menus. Just give me one button to switch the item. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that supposedly that's what Monster Hunter World has done. They've listened to feedback from both veterans and from people that have tried the game and said no, and they've made these changes better. Now, again, you being somebody that's only played a little bit of it, they're not all going to be wide open to you, especially if you haven't like played it recently. And even I, it's been it's been a couple years since I played Try, but yeah, there were many many things where I saw where it's just oh man, this is just it's it's so it's so clunky and slow and why is it this way? It should be this way. So hopefully hopefully they have addressed those. But you can you can check out that video for yourself. It's uh, I don't know if it's anything spoilery. I don't. I'm, they may have something in there to tell you if there's anything spoiler in it at all, but. It's something like 47 things in Monster Hunter World that veterans will love or veterans appreciate or something like that. Yeah, I made a note of it, so I'll go take a look at that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to touch Monster Hunter World again until I finish Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, like I said, I'm like 78%, 77% done with Horizon Zero Dawn, so it should be pretty quick for me to wrap it up. I mean, I yesterday alone I probably knocked out 15 20%. Yeah just pushing through things all day long that's the same way with me i'm gonna make it through i'm gonna finish out dark souls 3 uh i mean whether or not i 100 percent complete it or not is that's that's neither here nor there i'm gonna beat it and, and be done with it and feel like i'm done with it mm -hmm. before i move on to the next thing now what i'm gonna work on next i don't know 
I have a shit ton of games in my Steam library now that I could, could fucking cotton pick from and play. I've got Yakuza Zero. I've got I've, well, I've still got to go through P five and, and at least give it its 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 due proper. Right. I've got Yakuza Zero. I've got Horizon Zero Dawn. I've got three three D dot game Heroes is another PS three game I've got. I've got Nino Cooney, which is long time overdue. <laughs> I've got The Last of Us that maybe I should keep going through. I've got the. I have the entire Uncharted library now because I have Uncharted Remastered and I've got Uncharted 4 and The Lost Legacy or whatever the last one was. I have, I am blessed and cursed with the typical thing. I've got too many games. But but I've also got a Nintendo Switch. I've also got Mario Odyssey. So my money's probably going to go on Mario Odyssey. But we'll see. We'll see. For right now, it's Dark Souls. And that's it. Yeah, I think uh, Dark Souls 3 and Odyssey are a good, you know, combination to be playing at once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can get fed up in Dark Souls, so you go hop around. Yes. You know, that's exactly Kingdom. how I felt. That is I literally... guess not the Mushroom Kingdom this time. But... Yeah. That is exactly how I felt, though. I had just come off a stint from playing Dark Souls 3, and I was fucking off online for a couple hours looking at weird adult shit. Uh, that almost sounded racy. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it did. I mean, it's pressure washers, but I guess you get to it. Oh, God, everything I'm saying is bad. Uh, but yeah, once I picked up, I mean, the music, the colors, everything. This is one thing that I have noticed about me in games. Two way, two things that mesh really well together. Three, I guess, technically. If you put them together, I'm just a fucking little kid. I'm just a sucker for it. Is bright colors and very, very, <laughs> very bright color schemes and snappy jazz type music. There mm-hmm. is a ton of that in Mario Odyssey and there's a ton of it in Katamari Damacy as well. Both yeah. of those games are bright, colorful, and they have a lot of a little snazzy, fun, just fucking easy, fun, breezy, hell yeah, jazz tunes that that's, that's yeah. fucking crazy they're good chill games yes they're pick up and play and chill games that's the way and that's what i'm looking forward to having with odyssey is it being mm-hmm. something to where you know i can pick up five years from now and not feel like it's a just the weight of everything on me it's just not nah, just go get some fucking just go get some shit man go get some moons it's okay anything else for your week chris so the last thing for my week, and this is a pretty good segue into the news segment, because uh, I actually kind of consider it a news thing as well. Have you seen the God of War, a call from the wilds thing on Facebook? I have not. The only thing I've seen is the new trailer. Okay. So what this is, is this is actually a game played on Facebook Messenger. Okay. It is a old-school type text-based game where you type, go east, go north, pick up this, look at this, uh, putting in, you know, your text commands. And it, like I said, it's playthrough messenger, and it is what they, I don't the description in front of me, but the post I saw, it was one of the promoted posts or something like that from uh, PlayStation. They said, hey, this isn't uh, act." What's the kid's name? Acturus, Atterus, something like that. Uh, Turus. 
but it's not, this isn't, you know, his first adventure, see, you know, what happened to him in the woods, you know, before the setting of the game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you start out, you're playing as a kid, you're, it starts out, you're in a cabin, you know, you hear your mom outside or something like that, you know, and you can look around the cabin, pick up items and do things, interact with stuff. And it has a kind of progression to it where there are certain events that they expect you to find and complete. And the, their whole, you know, promotion thing is, aside from getting to play this and getting this little bit of lore, is you actually get eight um, pictures, high-def pictures you can download. Okay. That are exclusive to that, you know, or if you have the link to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I played through it. It was probably a 30-minute thing, but it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. It was... There were actually two combat sequences where I had to pick what I did. And I don't know what happens if you die or lose because I didn't, but it, or if you even can, you yeah. know, maybe it's like, oh, well, blah, 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 and you just keep going. Yeah. But it is very interesting, and I would not have expected to see something like this played on Facebook Messenger. Wow. Okay. It, it was certainly interesting. It was a, it was a good piece of promotion, I think. Mm hmm. Because I, I haven't been watching trailers, not since, you know, the E3 one, when I, because I was watching E3. Yeah. Um, once I see a trailer and I'm like, all right, that's a game I'm probably going to play, I don't keep watching news about it unless it's a particular reason for me to do so, um, related to release date or something like that. So, yeah, pretty solid promotion by them. Nice. Speaking of promotions, before we run into news, uh, I yeah. will I will take a small minute to promote a fellow local channel, uh, a local group of uh, friends of mine, go on their YouTube channel, the Never Ready Gamers. They invited me over to uh, their house. They were playing uh, Gauntlet, I believe, the PS4 Gauntlet game, and just you know, usual fucking let's play hijinks, having a good time, chit chatting, and having a, a romp through a game. And uh, they were kind enough to invite me over and just sit around and play with them and chit-chat. And they have their own YouTube channel. I was kind of into videos here and there. I uh, haven't seen any of those uploaded yet. I'm sure they're on the way. But they were nice enough to let me promote the End of Time cast in their video. And I figured I'd go ahead and shoot them an equal, respectful, hell yeah promotion. You know, go you can go check them out never ready gamers they got a few good videos out they went through mario odyssey i believe and they're running through gauntlet now and uh they have some D tabletop uh other type games too as well so check them out pretty cool stuff um news what news do yep. you have for us this week chris so destiny 2 released their development roadmap for this roughly quarter i guess you can say mm-hmm. um it's dated yesterday and it covers their last update, which was, I don't know if it's this week or last week, but it covers out to May. Um, and it looks, it's interesting because I haven't been playing the game. Uh, I just kind of uh, got burned out on it because I haven't felt like doing the raid at all. <laughs> um, but it does look like they've made some interesting changes. One of the ones that they already 
implemented was the mod system. I talked about a little bit before. You could add these mods to your weapons, mm-hmm. but they really didn't do anything. Um, but they were working on making that system better with the masterwork system. But apparently they also added some raid-specific mods. So when you're in the raid, you do more damage in certain things, and they're actually really useful. Mm. It's like, based on this condition, it's a 20-25% damage boost or something like that. So yeah. once you have them, you see a clear difference. Um, and that's kind of one of the issues Destiny has had in the past is, okay, I got this upgrade, I don't feel any stronger. Mm-hmm. But apparently these actually feel like they're doing something. <laughs> um, but I was looking through it, and one of the other things they're doing that's good is that they're doing they're making further changes to make it to where you're less likely to get a duplicate exotic, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that you know people struggle with. Oh, sure, I've got the same exotic 20 times in a row, but I'm still missing 10 of them. So it's kind of frustrating to constantly get what I already have when there's such a huge pool to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, they're adding... Uh, actually, I think the last Iron Banner was 6v6 as well. They actually specifically have it listed for March. They're doing a 6v6 Iron Banner, which, for those that don't know, Destiny 2 changed PvP from 6v6 to 4v4. Okay, what's your thoughts um, on that? I, I'm i not a huge fan. I like 6v6 more. I think it gives more flexibility in what you can do as a team. Mm-hmm. Because when there's only four of you, you pretty much have to be clustered together yeah. or you're screwed because the other team's going to cluster together and team shot you. Mm-hmm. Um, but having six gives you that flexibility to have your clustered group, maybe even the you know that core four, doing their damage on the main area and then you can have two off you know doing objective based things sniping somewhere else or just covering a different angle just to you know keep people going corral them where you want them to be Mm -hmm. Uh, so I I like the flexibility of 6v6 more Um, 4v4 hasn't been bad what I played of it uh, and I did play a fair bit of crucible Um, it just feels a little bit more forced than 6v6 does Mm mm-hmm um, one thing I'm really happy to see that's on this list is crucible quitter penalties. Oh, I, it is so annoying. Even if I don't know what the fuck that means, you said quitter penalties. I'm yep. interested. Yep, crucible's PvP. So it's not unusual to go into a match, you start losing, half your team quits out. And when you're doing 4v4, you can't afford to be missing a person. Right. Uh, 6v6 is bad enough, but you can still, you know, carry one or two bad people. No, you lose. And I've had several matches where it went down to where it was four versus me. Because I, to this day, have never quit out of a Crucible match. That's my thing. I never will quit out of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lagged out, yes. Bad connection, that happens. But I've yet to purposely quit out of a game for any reason. Um, didn't matter if it was, you know, 30 to 1 and I was just getting trounced. I'm going to play the match. Yeah. So seeing these penalties added, so good. So happy about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I hope it, I hope they're balanced enough penalties and I hope that they are working, uh, based on the way it's worded, quitter, I'm assuming that 
already takes into account, you know, disconnects and stuff, so you're not penalized for that. Right. Though, of course, you're going to have the people that pull their cord out to disconnect or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But maybe they'll have a... There's got to be a know, check and balance. Yeah, there's got to be yeah. a... Fu- the, the, the whole... The point of this shit is that to catch the repeat offenders. Yeah. Like, this is something that was brought up on... I'd have to look up the number, but uh, two best friends talked about this uh, year, a couple years ago in, in one of their podcast episodes, and I agree... 100%. Anytime that I hear any of this shit where companies are, they're just, I mean, just a fucking, a red blanket of flame across the board, I'm all down for. Because, that's one of the, that's one of the first telltale arguments of this shit, is that, well, what if I genuinely disconnect and then I'm banned from the game for 30 minutes? Me? Yeah. I'm just gonna take that on the chin. That shit happens. Because yeah. I know, that that doesn't happen for me often, if ever at all. So the one time it happens, oh boy, I, it's not like I don't have other games to play. And I know I'm tailoring this to me specifically, but I'm talking about me specifically. This yeah, is going at this is going after the people who repeatedly disconnect, repeatedly quit, and just have a trend of oh, it just I look in here and see that you were in the game for 20 minutes and you were down fucking 26 points and you quit. This has happened like four times today. That's the person that needs to get fucking burnt. Bad. Yeah, and this may be a kind of unpopular thing to say, but if your connection is so bad that you keep disconnecting from matches, I have no pity for you. Yeah. You probably shouldn't be playing Crucible. Go play PvE. You know, you can play that with a terrible connection. That's what I did at one point. Mm-hmm. I was having, you know, issues with my internet. I couldn't, there was no way I was going to be able to stay in a PvP lobby. I couldn't even get into really a PvE lobby uh, with other people. Yeah. I was just by myself in these areas where I know there's going to be other people because, you know, the weekly things have to be done in this area. So I know there's people playing here. Yeah. Uh, But I didn't see any because my connection was so bad, it could, I guess, barely keep me in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, if you have a bad internet connection like that, PvP isn't the place to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in relation to PvP, something else that's interesting is they have it out in May, which is when Season 3 starts. They're doing this whole season thing mm-hmm. as well. Um, but in Season 3, they're implementing seasonal Crucible rankings. So there actually be some sort of ranking for Crucible. Um which will be interesting to see how they calculate it because there are already websites dedicated to looking at your stats and ranking you based on win-loss, KDA, KD, you know, all these other formulas you can look at leaderboards already based on platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious if they'll just follow suit and basically, basically emulate what these third parties have done already or if there will be an actual, you know, ranking system like Halo used to have, you know, with the, there's where military ranks, you know, right, going up as you progress, or a uh, silver, diamond, platinum type uh, ranking, you know, whatever they go with. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that and what, if it matters. I'm assuming it won't matter in any way, but, which I hope it doesn't as well. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They're also adding private matches for Crucible, which is something Destiny 1 did near the end of its life. Or actually, I'd say the last year of Destiny 1, they added in private matches. So people could go do their, you know, uh, play with their friends on both sides and whatnot and get past the 
uh, fire team limitation mm -hmm. when you're doing matchmaking um, or just screw around on maps. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot of other things that I know either don't know about what they actually, you know, uh, entail at this point, or they're just kind of quality of life changes that don't really matter all that much. Um, yeah. So, but it's interesting that I do like that the uh, crew over there have been releasing the roadmap. It gives the players a lot more insight into what's going on uh, and what's coming and when. Yeah. Um, that was a big thing before. It was like, okay, well, you say you're going to make these changes, but here we are, the next update, nothing. Um, and some things get pushed, that happens, but it's just give us some expectation of uh, when we'll see this. Right. Um, so I have three different Nintendo-related articles okay. that I found interesting. Yes. The first one... Was a Labo. Is, <laughs> no. I actually, I did see an article, but I didn't even read it because I don't really care. Yeah. Um, there is apparently going to be a Super Mario movie. I did see something about that. Yeah. And, and it, live action. No. It's not? Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> No, this is this is they've partnered with Illumination, mm -hmm. which I didn't know. I didn't recognize that name at all. But they're the studio that did Despicable Me and Minions. Oh, mm, okay. Eh. So it's going to be an animated. Uh, okay, well that's just the animation studio. Okay, I can deal yes. with that. Who the fuck's writing this? That's um, what I want to know. Writer so it's being co-produced by. Shigeru Miyamoto. Okay, that's uh, who, okay. <laughs> yeah, he he works on you know Mario, Zelda, and Star Fox. The the father of Nintendo, some would say, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Chris Melodandry, who produced Despicable Me, Despicable Me, and Ice Age, and other animated sh stuff. Okay, well, it has. Okay, yeah, it has potential. Yeah. I mean, it, at least it's not live action. Yeah, it's not live action. <laughs> it's being animated, thank God. And they're having, they're not just handing it off to somebody and saying good luck. They're having Shigeru motherfucking Miyamoto right there doing a fucking Kojima. You know, no, 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 no. If there's one thing that Miyamoto's good for, it's getting hawking. He's good at being over your shoulder and going, no, 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 no. This needs to be this way. Now, mm. that may be bad. You can you can you can shit on that idea all you want until you play Mario games and go oh okay cool he's they're good if he has that mentality toward these Mario this Mario movie maybe it'll be good and yeah. if it is maybe we could start seeing the renaissance of video game movies being good maybe <laughs> companies will get around to the idea of maybe we should do these animated. Holy shit, yeah. there are companies that have put movies out in animation form that have been fucking great. Warcraft, the movie, while maybe not the greatest movie of all time, looked fucking good. The CG in that looked fucking great. Uh, Final Fantasy Advent Children, again, not the greatest movie, not even the greatest fan service movie, but the animation was fucking great. Final Fantasy XV, the, ah, the newest fucking 15 movie, the animated movie that came out. The graphics, Oh, we're great. You yeah. can make video game movies with animation. It's fine. 
that's I don't care what the fuck it looks like. I want it to be a good movie. <laughs> Imagine this. Imagine a animated movie created by Blizzard. Oh, oh wow. <sighs> Man. Good. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you and if 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 anybody who the fuck hasn't, but if you don't know, go look up I don't know any trailer for any World of Warcraft expansion. They they are Starcraft. Bl- yeah, Blizzard. Yeah, exactly. Any any of the of the three Star Starcraft trailers. I'm going through puberty today, Chris. <laughs> Apparently at 36, I'm hitting my my third puberty. But any look up it, but just any Blizzard CGI film, mm-hmm. and that will sell you on. They can, yeah. not only can they animate, but they can direct, and they can write, mm-hmm. and they can sound engineer. They can do it all. Yep. So, you put it in front of them to make a full, full CG movie of something, yeah, yeah, down for it. That'd be awesome. Now, again, it's kind of already been done. Warcraft, the movie, was already done. I think that could have been done better. Wasn't horrible. Chris, have you seen the Warcraft movie? I have not. Okay. It wasn't horrible. Uh, my, my wife and I both seen it together. We were both entertained. But one, the fact that her and I have not played World of Warcraft, the fact that, uh, <laughs> that I have only played Warcraft 3, I've never played one or two. Yeah. Uh, I took it at, at face value as a movie. And again, the CG in it is, oh, it's fucking, it's, oh yeah. <laughs> but, I give it like about a fucking six out of ten, seven out of ten. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. What are the news? You said three articles. That was one. That was pretty good. Yep. So there's also an article, and this is new to me, but apparently there's a Nintendo online service coming out in September. Yes, this was talked about last year, roughly after the Switch's release. It was a big okay. to do. There were two big negative to dos about the uh switch one was that they were making an online pay service which i don't think nintendo's ever done so people were ha- hesitant about that news and also the uh the chat thing being ran through a proprietary nintendo phone app and all that shit so, yeah 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 i mean and really i'm looking at this and it says it's 20 bucks a year yeah which is way better than the other you know uh, Xbox and uh, PlayStation, mm-hmm. but you also get access to classic NES games. Mm-hmm. So, sure, I'll play twenty bucks a year. You know, whatever these games are, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's not a whole lot mentioned about it. I don't think there's a whole lot known about it yet. Yeah, um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what it all entails and what the necessity of it is even going to be because if I'm not mistaken, people can play games online yeah. on Nintendo consoles as it is already. Yeah. So, like, you can go play Mario Kart online if you wanted to. So, I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. that I really haven't looked into it at all because I, I don't need another internet service. But I guess as a good podcast guy, I should look it up and see <laughs> But yes, there's an, there's a Nintendo internet service coming. 
Yeah, and this popped up in the news again because they announced the September date. Right, right. The third article is that uh, they're going to be selling the NES Classic again. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, this is great. This is great news because, one, they had a huge fucking demand the first time this rolled around, and many, many people did not did not get to have one. So they're going, yeah, well, sorry about that. We're going to release them again, as which they should. Furthermore, they should do the same thing with Super Nintendo if they have stopped selling it, or they just don't stop selling it. Same thing for a 64 one. They just, just go down the line. Just... Go ahead and go down the line. Yeah, so that was, you know, those are really the only articles that jumped out at me when I was skimming through today. Gotcha. Um, There's one I'm going to go back and read. Uh, I didn't read it, so I don't know, have anything to talk about on it, but it's titled, Five Reasons Why Monster Hunter World May Not Be Right for You. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say hold off on that one before you delve yourself into more negativity. (laughs) Yeah. Um, before you started, we started the weeks, you said there was something you wanted to talk about, and I said save it to the end. Do you remember what that was? Uh, just the news. Oh, that was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well then, uh, I'm digging my brain too, because I think uh, I've, gotten, I've gotten worse and worse about not writing shit down, and I'm sure, sure there was something else that I'd seen across my... Across my desk in the in the gaming world, uh, but no, just checking out new games coming out. Um, here, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Fighter Z is doing really well. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good to know. I will pick up a copy sometime eventually. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing too. Nothing too grand going on right now, with the exception of Monster Hunter World and Dragon Ball yeah. Fighter Z being released. <laughs> I, I I do have one more piece of news for you. I think you'll like. Okay. I had some cream soda this last week. <gasps> oh, you kicking it back old school? Was it was yeah. it was it Barch root beer cream soda? It was a uh, and W. Oh, okay. That's, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I, I drank a and W root beer, a mug root beer, mm-hmm. and I was grabbing some a and W root beer, so I grabbed the cream soda that was next to it. Was a and W uh, what we had? I thought it was. I thought it was Bart's root beer. We probably had some off brand, really. We may have, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. This is a. This is a. To, sorry, Chris and I are not sitting in a corner with our fucking arms around each other, giggling and like looking back at you guys and gals, going, "Ah, y'all don't get it." Chris and I grew <laughs> up together. I mean, we're brothers, so to speak. And we, we as old men now, we can talk about being young men and spending $5 at a gas station and walking away with like a bag full of fucking candy. I mean, like a small bag, but full of fucking candy. And I remember many, many days sitting around playing Sega Genesis, popping cartridges in and out, playing games, and one, eating candy, and two, Drinking cream sodas. Root beer cream sodas. Fuck yeah. Good times. Yep. Today, today, Chris, it's a list day. I yep. love list days. <laughs> today, we're going to do a top ten list. Oh, no. We are doing the top, our individual top ten Nintendo 64 games. 
Chris, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind we did 10. We're sticking with 10. We're not going to fucking change it now, but I could have did 15. I short sold myself on 10. I probably could have went 15. But what I'm going to do whenever I get to my, I'm going to do the typical top 10 list thing. Before I give my number one, I'm going to go over some honorable mentions because okay. there, there are quite a, quite a, quite a few good games on this 64 console that I didn't remember until I had to went back over the list. And, uh, yeah, good shit. So the way that we're going to do this, guys and gals, uh, I want, I want to, I want to go over this again with you, how we're going to do this list. Okay. We're obviously going to stop at number 10, start at number 10 and work our way up. Yes. And I think the way we did it is that if, if the game is, if, if I say a game and it's also on your list, you're, we're just going to talk about it and we're only going to talk about it once unless yes. the game is in the top three. Was that correct? Right. Okay. Yes. So. There you go, folks. Just I had to I had to remind myself too because I was like, man, what if what if my number one is in his number four? Oh shit! So yeah, and and the way we did it last time is we didn't reveal what was in our top three. There wasn't like, oh, well, this is my top you know two game, but I'll talk about it more. It was I didn't say a word right until I got to that point. I was like, hey, it's, this is my number two. Right. So um, we are individually going to start listing off and talking about our top ten. Nintendo 64 games in our personal, personal individual top 10 favoritism from yep. 10 being the, being the least favorite to one being the most favorite. If I talk about a title, let's say my number, number 10 title and it is his number six title, then we're just gonna, we'll just talk about it together and that will be it. But if my number 10 is his number one, I'm gonna talk about it and then he's gonna talk about it again. So you may hear some doubles in here. But that's okay, because if it's a top three game, it deserves its equal opportunity. I mean, it deserves to be talked about both ways. And it, it, this is going to be an interesting list, because as I was making mine, I was like, I bet five out of the ten are going to be the same. Oh, yeah. For this both is, of us. At yeah. least five. The the, 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 the thing with... The, I'm going to just get this right in my head. For the Nintendo 64, probably the Sega Dreamcast... Um, what's another one? What's another one? What's another? May maybe even like the Wii or the GameCube. The fact that they have a relatively small, not not minuscule like say the Sega mm-hmm. CD, but the fact that they have a small library, the the, the duplicates are going to happen. It's yep. it's and just going to happen, and especially if they're Nintendo consoles because. Mm-hmm. Chris and I both know there are going to be some Mario's and Zelda's and Metroid's <laughs> in there. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, for those wondering, the Nintendo sixty four library is three hundred and eighty eight games. Wow. Now, is that is that just U.S. or is that no. U.S. and Japan? That includes combined? Japan as That's well. That's all They're the way around the horn. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. I say relatively small. The the NES library was seven, eight, nine hundred something. Same thing with the I believe the, the uh, Super Nintendo, etc. So yeah. Um. So, uh, for no particular reason, I think last time I went first. Uh, I guess you can go first, Chris. So here goes. And again, just so we're clear, because we will have end of time cast lists coming up in the actually the near future. This is Chris's list, and this is my list. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's not the official end of time cast list. No, it's not that difficult. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we will have some lists coming up that are our list. We have deliberated and talked about and debated over live on the podcast. Those are coming. You're going to get to hear us squabble about it if that's your thing. But that's not what these lists are. These typical top console lists are just our personals. They're our personal opinions. They're they're nothing subjective. Chris and I don't fucking look over sales numbers and none of that bullshit. It's what Chris likes to play and what I like to play in our order of preference. So, Chris, your number 10 Nintendo 64 game. All right. My number 10 game is everyone's favorite dinosaur hunter, Turok. Oh, God, I thought you were about to say Star Fox. I was like, you (laughs) fucking Star Fox adventure playing son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, Turok, Uh dinosaur hunter. Mm -hmm. As the title says, you killed and hunt dinosaurs. Uh, So, it's a first-person shooter. Um, this was a, God, what was the release date on the 64? Cause I feel like this was an early one. You can't be quizzing me live on the podcast, uh, Chris. You can't do that. You act right. like I have a memory. It's not my place so, to have a memory. So North America was September 29th, 1996. And no, I still do not feel old. <laughs> so Turok was in the first six months or so of the, uh, system. So yeah, it was fairly early on. Um, it was. A, uh, it was just an interesting game to play. Uh, you had some collectibles you could get in levels, but overall you're going around uh, trying to find uh, pieces of a relic, and you had to find it in the level. And but there were other collectibles too, I believe. Um. Yeah, I mean it was a FPS <laughs> killing dinosaurs game. I don't, I didn't play it a lot. I don't even think I owned it. Well, I know I didn't own it. So, real quick, I did not own a Nintendo sixty four <gasps> until I, I believe it was after I graduated high school. <sighs> As an adult, I bought a sixty four. Yeah. But most of my sixty four playing was at friends' houses. So some of my games, I'm only gonna have a little bit of gameplay you know, to go on, but I enjoyed what little I played with, with it or, you know, stuck my mind for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and Turok's one of those. That, that, uh, that's what a lot of it was with me too, was that I, I had, I, my initial 64 playthroughs were at someone's house. And not only was I playing games, like I was playing their games, I was predominantly playing games with them, like Mario Kart, like Star Fox, mm-hmm. like GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I feel you. I have four yeah. controller ports to it, guys. So, yeah, it was all about <laughs> multiplayer. Yeah. And I don't know, was Turok even multiplayer? I don't no, it was not. believe it was, no. Yeah. So that's another reason I didn't play a whole lot of it was because it was single player only. Um, and for this, like you said, 64 was known for its multiplayer. So you kind of, if you're playing at a friend's house, can only take up so much time on a single player game. Yeah. Um. This is this game. One thing I will say about it, it did not age well. Oh no! Um, it's that old school graphics. It's essentially Doom with dinosaurs. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it looks like. it's already going to suffer for the fact that it's a first-person shooter, and mm-hmm. traditionally, over time, FPSs do not age well, period. But, yeah, uh, none of the 64s have aged well at all. To the point to where even when I, I try to play Goldeneye either last mm-hmm. year or year before last, I played it on an emulator. Suck it. I've got it on the, I've got everything. Uh, but I, I put it on an emulator and I mapped my controller, which was an Xbox 360 controller. I mapped the controls of Goldeneye through a third party mapper. Uh, no, sorry, not a third party. I think the N64 emulator lets you, it lets you put the keys yeah. where you want them. But I mapped it as close as an approximation as I could get to a new controller style. And even then, it was... Actually, what had happened was I put the damn game up to 007 difficulty. And once the controls were straight, <laughs> I was blowing through that game. I wow. It was a testament for me back in the day that I beat... I had two clear save files on GoldenEye 64 and on double o agent and that is not an easy feat when you're i don't know 8 16 17 18 years old i have two of those i i could do it today with one fucking hand because you're they just you age in the first person world and the control schemes and the setups and the way that you do things they it, it's nothing like it used to be you are used to enemies Blowing your fucking face off today. Back then it was, well, let me fucking run and then squat and then aim my gun and then shoot and then I'll take your health off if I hit you. But then I got to get back up and I'll wave at you and then I'll... (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. And I haven't played it, but there's actually a remaster that was released in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see what updates they did to it. I have played Uh that. I actually... Yes, I have it, and I played through it, and a couple things. It is a upgraded control scheme, yes, because it's on the 360. That's the version I played it on. Uh, it replaces James. It replaces the James Bond of Pierce Brosnan and puts in Daniel Craig. That's no big deal. It has a few changes to the story. It has a few changes to the narration. A uh, few gameplay ch- uh, changes. Some of the level changes are different. A lot. A lot of them are you're you're when you play this game you're not gonna be playing the Golden Eye sixty four. I'm gonna say that right now. You're gonna be playing somewhat of a spiritual rewrite successor is the best way I can put it. They have a lot of uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of Easter eggs, a lot of mm-hmm. like familiarities familiar f- familiarities. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Throughout the level, it'll have callbacks to GoldenEye 64 things, themes, and music, and weapons, and whatnot, but it's not just a redesign. It's I mean, it's not just a facelift. It's a redesign, so to speak. Uh, I enjoyed it, and it also has a lot of uh, progressive... You know, like, the biggest thing for me to do in GoldenEye 64, because this is before achievements, before uh, it, it was not a collectible-style game, was that the further you... The more you advance the difficulty, the more uh, quest options became available. Oh, good lord! I was just told to prepare <laughs> to die. Um, I think Shokan just told me to prepare to die. I should I should worry? Um, the the good thing to do in GoldenEye sixty four was if you beat it, if you had it on this difficulty, you had like three quests or three objectives. If you put it up to the next difficulty, they added like one or two more. If you added it up to the max difficulty, you had like seven, eight things to do. 
and that comes back again in this one. And there's all there's 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 collectibles and all sorts of extra things to do. So, uh, I will warn you that if you're looking for a straight like a 3D facelift, so to speak, where they just took the game and upgraded the graphics, you're not going to get that. But if you're looking for a good spiritual rewrite successor, successor is the best way I can say it. It's very good. I enjoyed it. Had a good time with it. That's cool. I was also totally talking about a Turok remaster. Oh shit! <laughs> no, I okay. Well, my bad. I I didn't see the fork in the road, Chris. I'm sorry. I was I was digging <laughs> in the back seat for my copy of Turok. That's my problem. Uh, I have not played that one. I have heard that was utterly garbage, and I haven't had my own opinion of it yet. Okay. Uh, I will add some more to Torok, though. While it did okay. not make my list, it is in my honorable mentions because, yes, as as cool as that sounds to any fucking 18, 17, 16-year-old kid, you play a first-person shooter where you kill dinosaurs, it was that fun. Uh, it, it did not age. This was, as Chris said, in the early, early lifespan of the 64. So not only did they not have... Uh, games that were fully utilizing the console yet they this game did not utilize first person shooter styles as great as it could have but it did if i remember right turok had jumping in it didn't it i'm uh, i think so i think you could jump in turok uh, correct us in the comments if if i'm wrong uh, unless yeah, i be- because there were platforming aspects exactly there was there was uh, that was one thing that this game had that GoldenEye did not, is there was an explorative slash platforming aspect to it, and I'm all about that. Uh, it took some of the good things of, of that, that it had some of the good things that GoldenEye 64 is known for, but it had some extra stuff, like the jumping, like the platforming, like the collectibles. Had a lot of cool weapons, had a lot of cool deaths. Uh, there was like a boar weapon that you like shot at an enemy and you would see it like boring into their skin, kind of, sort of. You would see blood squirting out until it either flat out killed them or they exploded. I forget which. But yeah, definitely fun game for as old on, as young on the 64 library as it was. It's, it's fun. It's very good. My number 10 for the, for Michael's end of time cast Nintendo 64 list is Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards. Now I will go ahead and throw out one honorable mention right now because I was fighting, really, really struggling between two games for my number 10. It was either going to be Kirby 64 Crystal Shards or it was going to be, brace yourself, WCW versus NWO Revenge. Interesting. Uh, the reason why is because, as you mentioned earlier, I was gonna, I was gonna bring this up as a whole entire topic. The 64 for me is one of the few times in life that I can remember a strong multiplayer aspect. The fact that this 64 had four controllers, one, two, the fact that I played it, I was able to play it with local friends that had multiple multiplayer games, uh, it added a, it was a time of life for me where the, where almost half of my Nintendo 64 experience was that of playing with people and against people. Uh, I remember playing GoldenEye with and against people, Star Fox 64, uh, Perfect Dark, Mario Kart, 
WCW, NWO Revenge. There was like two or three wrestling games on the 64, uh, actually. Uh, Smash Brothers, Pokemon Stadium. I mean, there was, there were, there was, there was a good handful of multiplayer center games on the 64. And I got, I got, I was lucky enough to get to play, play that. I make that a point because I've brought this up on other episodes. I didn't get to play a lot of multiplayer games when I was a kid. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood, nor was I popular enough to have friends over. Like, I didn't, it's one of the reasons why fighting games aren't so prominent in my life, though I love all games. I love fighting games. I'm not good at them because I just didn't have that competitive nature. I didn't have neighborhood friends that I fought against. I didn't grow up on Street Fighter 2 except for me and Chris. And fuck, we, we didn't really compete. I mean, we kicked each other's ass and threw fireballs and sonic booms. But, <laughs> I mean, we just fucking played a few matches and then turned it off when we played Sonic 3. Yeah, see, yeah. But um, I will make an honorable mention of WCW versus NWO Revenge because this is one of those older wrestling games that focused on the Aki engine which had a lot of customized characters. I believe it let you customize characters yourself. Uh, it had a very, very standard set way of uh, button presses and, and typical wrestling moves, and I played this with many, many different people. Had a lot of good time with it. Um, I mean, that's that's it. Uh, the, the, uh, there may have been some single-player campaign to this in some way, shape, or form. There's several, you know, these days. Even sports games have them where... The, you know, you, you take a person through life, they go through college in a football, and they join the high school football team, they go through yada, 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 yada. So. Uh, but I don't remember that for this game. I remember playing with people, grabbing uh, grabbing some wrestling character, and playing, like, uh, fucking uh, a battle royale, so to speak, or, or, or Royal Rumble style, where there's, like, 26-something wrestlers coming in the ring, and you want to be the last yeah. one. So I had a good multiplayer fun with it. It's, it, it, I was fighting between that one, but what won out was Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards. I love this game. Had a great time with it. The, the, the thing that, the thing that excited me most about this game that I did not know until I rented it. Uh, this, I played this back in the day before I had word of mouth, of course, before the internet. And I just picked this game up at a rental store because it had Kirby on it. I'm all about Kirby. I'm all about Nintendo. Cool, let's try it out. And I didn't know until I played the game. I didn't even read the back of it. If I think if I read the back, I might have figured it out. But this was one of the games in Kirby's library to where if you don't know about Kirby's power, so to speak, Kirby is a little pink puffball. He goes around sucking enemies in his mouth. He inhales all types of enemies. And he will squat down and basically morph, so to speak, into that enemy. He will gain that enemy's power. That's his, that's his thing. Suck in an enemy, gain their power. And yeah. in Kirby 64, he could take in two enemies simultaneously and combine them to get a different power. So. So he could, and I'm, I'm, it's been a long time, folks. Totally gonna get it wrong. But he could suck in, say, like a wheel based enemy. And if he did that by itself, he would turn into this wheel that could spin up and then dash across the screen and attack. You know, whoever he hit would basically die. He could suck in like a spiked style enemy. And when he did that, he could basically turn himself into a porcupine. So if enemy touched him, they died. If he sucked in the wheel and the spike together, 
he would turn into a rolling spiked enemy that would dash across the screen and basically do the same thing, but have spikes on it and have more damage, I guess. Uh, there were, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 something enemies in it. And those were the individual enemies that he could get powers from. He could combine any two of those that were in the same level together and have a all new power. And I, I like that. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, backtracking in that game to where you're trying to, you, you'll see an area where you're like, there's a there's a collectible there, but I can't get to it. I'll go ahead and beat the level. I'll come back to it and figure out how to do it. There's puzzling to it. A lot of puzzle aspects in Kirby games. Admittedly, throughout the ages, Kirby did get a little bit more, I, I, I guess you say childish, fairly fairly easier titles down the road. But And I have no problem with that. My, if anything, I'll play them with my wife and have a good time. This was a single player game like the older, like most of the older 64, uh, the older Kirby games were. And again, the biggest draw was multiple enemies combining together to have different results. I love that. Good stuff. The only downside to it for me was that while it had a good, it had a good number of levels, uh, once I basically, m- 100% of the game, I was kind of done. Uh, I could go back to it today. It's been a long time since I played that game, so going back through it again would be would be fun. But for me, it wasn't like a multiple playthrough game. But I do remember having lots of fun the first time playing through, trying out. Like I just, I just couldn't wait to see what new combination of, of uh, enemies would grant me what ability. Good time. It made my number 10. My number nine, and I think this might be one you're not expecting, but it was actually 1080 Snowboarding. Oh, very good game. Also, on my mentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, I mean, there's there's not much you can say about a snowboarding game, mm-hmm. but this was a good chill game. Um, it had, you know, your normal races, your uh, trick attacks. Um, you know, you could do multiplayer, so it was a you know, group-friendly game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a, like I said, a nice, chill game. Um, yeah, you just race or do tricks or race and do tricks. All right, good review, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you speak true. This will not, totally not stealing your spotlight here, but this this was one of those games that the friends that I played with had, and I was like, ah, not gonna play a fucking snowboarding game. I don't snowboard. I don't fucking care about snowboarding. But when I had exhausted their library, it got down to this game, and I played it. And I was like, "This fucking game's fun as shit." I had a lot of really good time playing 1080. I had a good time playing 1080 and Snowboard Kids. You ever played Snowboard Kids? The name sounds familiar. It is also a snowboarding. There were. Three that I can think of. There was 1080 Snowboarding, Snowboarder Kids 1, and Snowboarder Kids 2. Snowboarder Kids was, think of a mix between Mario Kart and 1080 with a multiplayer aspect to it. That's what it was. Uh, Kitty style characters, uh, different personalities and whatnot. You race, you race down the mountainside. Varying types of raceways, uh, different obstacles, different, different, uh, objectives 
and they have power-ups that would speed you up. They would, you know, make you trip up the snowboard in front of you, behind you, etc., etc. I, they had these games. I tried them both out. I, I pushed them to the wayside because they were snowboarding games. And then I played them and had lots of fun. So, yeah, I'm all down for both of those games. Both of them are really good. I would say uh, that being your number nine is is justified just for it being a surprisingly good game, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that it for your t- was ten eighty? I don't I don't guess. You yeah, could... <laughs> I mean, there's and I actually looked, but I don't think this was the one that the arcade things were based off of. Yeah. Because there was an arcade snowboarding thing where you actually stood on you know a snowboard shaped platform. Yeah. And you know it had a little bit of motion control to it. Yeah. Um, no. I don't, that... Th- that was in the gold saucer, Chris. That was Final Fantasy VII. Come on, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this doesn't appear to be the one that the arcade was based off of. Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> my number nine. Oh, boy. Can't wait to... to my number nine was Blast Core. I don't know if you've ever played Blast Core, Chris. I have no idea what that is. Wonderful. Let me blow your mind for a minute. So the story of this game, I'm telling you the story of this action style game because the story will make, will make the game play itself make sense. Somewhere in the U.S., there is a nuclear, there's a nuclear missile hauling vehicle. It's traveling down a road. It gets hijacked by terrorists. And it is set in a forward driving motion. The, the steering wheel can't be tampered with. The, the gas can't be tampered with. Think of, you remember the movie Speed? Mm-hmm. It's basically Speed, except this truck is moving at like, I don't know, 10 miles an hour. <laughs> the truck continues to go forward in a, this is, I'm telling you, I'm trying to do this story justice. It's actually a pretty great story because the gameplay revolves around this. The truck is moving 10 miles an hour in a forward moving uh, pro- uh, trajectory. If it touches anything, if it bumps up against a telephone pole, a car, a mountainside, a vehicle, whatever, the impact will cause the nuke to explode, killing millions. So the president or somebody calls in the Blast Corps, who is a demolitions company that has many different types of vehicles to demolition with. They have bulldozers. They have dump trucks. They have bipedal walking robots that are used to pick things up and move them around, but can punch things and demolition things. They have vehicles that are heavily armored that can basically do like a a donut into something and destroy it. The government calls the Blast Corps in, to basically clear a path, a solid path for this nuke uh, vehicle to drive through. So the idea is you get into a level, the vehicle's at one end, and it's going. It's just driving like 10 miles an hour in a straight path. In your path, there are many things in your way. Uh, mainly buildings. There's structures of all types. There's houses. There's business buildings, uh, restaurant buildings. There's uh, uh, crates, uh, connexes, machinery, all kind of things. 
and you are tasked with going in front of this vehicle and uh, demolishing everything in its path to make a clear path. And it is fun as fuck, man. It is it is fucking great. There is a dump truck you use to basically do a side swipe. I think it's actually called side swipe. Where you basically ram the the bed of your dump truck into things to break them down. There is a bulldozer that, duh, you just fucking take your blade and you fucking run into things and bulldoze a path. There are uh, cars that are really, really fast and you can ram them into it to to structures or you can like you know make it make it fishtail into it there are things that let you that will jump and let you like basically jump and ram into things there are robots that have there's one robot that has a it has one arm it is a gigantic right arm and it you can either punch things or you can do like a rolling start and then basically and like roll into an uppercut to destroy buildings there's another robot that has a jetpack and you fly up in the air and you do like a flip and as you, you you basically jet downwards and stomp on buildings. Crazy premise. Hilarious, laughable B-movie premise. Awesome, mm-hmm. fun gameplay. Uh, the negative about this game is, thankfully, it doesn't happen until way later. Uh, if you're trying to, you can pretty much beat this game I think the second half of the game is going to give you a really big challenge. It's, it gets really tough toward the end. But when you try to 100% this game, I think there are, uh, like trophies. I think they're, I think they're, they use, uh, they use like sheriff badges for, for, Dick, for, uh, for the visual rep- representation. And there's like bronze, silver, gold, or something like that. Or platinum, maybe. I don't know. But the hardest difficulty, even on the early levels, they have some very, very tight constraints for time, for amount of damage you need to do, for amount of people you you rescue and all that stuff. But that's only if you're trying to do like everything. If you're just playing through the game, you can make it through all the game and you'll you'll have fun and be very very challenged later on. So the fact that you never played it, uh, I actually played this game about two or three years ago. It does age pretty, it has aged very well. The graphics, no, but we'll talk about the 64. Yeah. Um, very fun game. Have never heard of it, uh, being remastered or anything like that. It, it is a rare game. I'm pretty sure it's a rare game. It is because it was on the rare replay. Exactly. I'm going to go play it this week. <laughs> there you go. So now you got a game to play. And I recommend it for anybody else too, if you never played it. It made number nine on my list. Chris, you're number yeah. eight, sir. All right, my number eight is Pokemon Snap. Woo! Pokemon Snap made my list at number five. Nice. <laughs> so, before I talk about Pokemon Snap, though, an honorable mention for me, and it's only an honorable mention because I don't know if I ever personally played it, but Pokemon Stadium. Oh, yes. Yes. So, Pokemon Stadium was exactly what it sounds like. a. Uh, it was a combat-focused Pokemon game where you just went through these um, these uh, trainers, which were gym leaders or whatever else, the Elite Four and whatnot. Uh, you could earn these cups, kind of like a Mario Kart where you're competing for the cup. You have to go through the four levels or whatever. Similar thing, you have these trainers 
you get the cup if you beat them all. Um, what really made this a awesome game is that you could actually load in your Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow Pokemon and use them in the game. Yes. That, that was alone, such an awesome thing, man. That is amazing. That is awesome. Um, I don't know if I ever actually played it. I may have once at a friend's house, but that's it. Um, but that's the only reason it didn't make my list. Yeah. Was because I didn't person. I don't think I ever personally played it. But I love the concept. The gameplay looked good. Um, yeah. The that the and not only could you load your game your Pokemon into this game and put them on a roster and play them, your friends could do it. It was also a multiplayer game, and that was the other draw yes. for me. It was that hey. Multiplayer, for one, if you don't know, Pokemon has a huge multiplayer following. It was actually designed around a multiplayer mindset because mm-hmm. um, if I had the yellow copy of the game or if I had the blue copy and Chris had the red copy, he would have Pokemon that I wouldn't have back and forth. So we would yep. have to trade if we wanted to have all of them. Well, this one said, okay, now you can take those Pokemon that you spent all this time going through these, going through the games legitimately and raising and, and getting power ups and customizing the way that you want them, put them in this game and playing them in 3D. So having your character, your, your Pokemon like realized in 3D was awesome. And yeah. then you get to play with your friends, your family, whoever. Hey, bring your Pokemon in. Let's see who's, who's, <laughs> who's can beat what. Love that game. Well done. Very well done. Yep. And there was a sequel that worked with uh, Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal, too. Yep. They kept going with it, which I, I think they should have kept going with it. But. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of why the reason I put Pokemon Snap on my list is that when 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 they do, and I say Nintendo, but now the Pokemon company, uh, since they split or whatever, if they would just put good Pokemon games on consoles as opposed to just the 3DS, they could kill it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. And that's why I mentioned before when we were talking about the Switch, um, I don't remember what episode it was, but I had actually heard that they're talking about putting out a actual Pokemon RPG game just like they do on the DS on the Switch. Nice. So we're finally going to have a main series Pokemon game on the Switch. Finally. I hope hope that's not just a rumor. I hope, you know, that's something that's actually finally going to happen. Mm -hmm. But that aside, they have done some good spinoffs like this, like Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap. And uh, the premise behind Pokemon Snap is it's essentially a rail shooter, but you have a camera instead of a gun. Mm -hmm. And your objective is to take pictures of the Pokemon you see in these different levels, there are uh, seven levels overall. Uh, one that's hidden or special, or whatever. And each one has its own Pokemon. Not only do you have, you know, you're taking pictures, but as you go through the game, you also unlock items or you get items to use, um, such as food, which will draw out Pokemon or stun Pokemon. So if there's a Pikachu over there, you know, hiding in the corner where you can't get a good picture of it, you can lure it out with food or something like that to get a better, higher scoring photo of it. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, maybe special things like uh, <clears throat> there's a surfing Pikachu at one point. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it 
what the uh, mechanics around it were, but you have to use items, I believe, to get the Gyarados to pop out. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a just a fun little Pokemon game on a console. Yeah, um, that that whole uh, you have to do things in the game to trigger things. Such a such an appeal because yeah. you would see. I mean, okay. Th- the negatives of this game is that it, it is short, so to speak, mm-hmm. because there's really only like six, seven areas in the game. But yeah. main, if you just go through the game, you're only going to make it through about four. Not only do you have to figure out how to unlock the other areas, but there are so many things to unlock. There are so many secrets and hidden things to unlock throughout the levels as they are. Like there will be Pokemon hiding that you wouldn't even know you had access to. Unless you did this specific thing with this Pokemon at this time, uh, they're like it. The pictures that you take are score based, so mm-hmm. the better picture you take via it's centered, via it's only that Pokemon at a certain doing. Depending on what the Pokemon's doing, is he just standing there? Is he riding a surfboard? Is he trying to catch a butterfly? Like whatever he the, the action of it also gives you points. Yep. So you could be trying to take a picture of say Pikachu. And you'll get a good Pikachu centered and he's smiling. Cool. You got like 800 points. You do something later. You, you lure him over to this surfboard with apples. He goes to the surfboard and starts like mock surfing on the, on the, uh, surfboard. Well, now you got an action picture. Now you got like 997 points. You know, that's for all the Pokemon basically. I think. Uh, the other downside is you don't have all 120 Pokemon in Pokemon Snap. There's only like 75 total. But you again, have 63 out 63. of the original 151. 63, yeah. Uh, so I got both those numbers wrong. <laughs> Shoot <laughs> yes, me in the did. face. I'm not a Pokemon expert. Fuck me. Uh, doesn't matter. These two negative things don't mean shit because this game made my number five on this list and it made Chris's number eight because the game is fun. The game is yeah. a lots of fun. Has a lot of replay value to it. Uh, not only for trying to go back into the levels and get either areas unlocked or specific scenes unlocked or getting Pokemon uh, stances or whatnot unlocked, but I've I've gone through this game several times and I love it. I love it. I, I it has it the music and the arts the everything about it has such a just a fun little draw and appeal to it. And I love it. Yep. I love it. 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 Good choice, Chris. Um, uh, my number eight is Paper Mario. Now, okay. this was a controversial topic for me because <laughs> now hear me out. It made my list. It was mm-hmm. number eight. This was, if I'm not mistaken, the first touted. RPG sequel to Mario 60, uh, Super Mario RPG. Now, I'm not saying that that's what this game is. I'm saying that back in the day when this game came out, with me having little to no experience, having, uh, well, no news outlets or word of mouth, I, all I heard was Super Mario game, RPG game. With me yeah. coming off the fucking hot presses of Mario 64, oh yes, is this a game like it? Is it a sequel? I don't know, but I'm going to go check it out. It is not. It is, <laughs> it is not. There is no sequel to Super Mario RPG. That's the, that's the long and short of it. There are several mm. 
RPG, full stop, Mario, full stop, games out there. But there's no sequel to Mario RPG. That's a one-off, and just how I want it. <laughs> we got a secret of mana. We got a secret of mana remake coming, Chris. I can only hope. Yeah. I can only hope. Anyway, Paper Mario, however, did make my list. It made number eight. Fun fucking game for the 64. It brought a lot of things back that you loved for Mario's uh, RPG, like time hits. Uh, it has its own unique charm to it. It's got its own world, its own setup. I can still hear some of the Mario, the uh, Paper Mario music in my head right now as I'm, as I'm talking about this. One, another one of the great draws of this game is the humor. There was humor in Mario RPG. Yes, there was. Mario RPG had all the span of emotions. Even fucking, like, life crisis when you fight a fucking super hidden boss. But Paper Mario has a lot of charm and humor. I mean, there were... it's You're playing a Mario, a Super Mario RPG, and there were bust-out laugh moments in this game all over the place. Uh, fairly good progressive and leveling system. A lot of power-ups that, that have new options. A lot of mobility throughout the world as you get new items to, to let you progress and traverse new areas of the game. Uh, just a lot of charm. A lot of charm in this game. A lot of, a lot of heart was put into it to, to not only appeal to the RPG world, but to also appeal to fans of Mario. Like, if you know Mario's universe, you're going to get all the in-jokes and get a lot of humor in this game, which I think was a solid move for Nintendo to do that because everybody's played Mario. Almost everybody knows most of what there is to know about Mario because, thankfully, yeah. there's little to know. It's a, it's a very small yet slightly expansive story that anybody can get into. More RPG, good fun, good RPG. Not many RPGs on the 64, folks. So if you're looking yeah. for one, this is definitely one of the ones. You should definitely stay away from the other ones. They're not <laughs> They're not that good. If if you see Okay, let me put it this way. Let's say you're in a video game store and you see Final Fantasy 1 and Terminator 2. You're in another you're in here. You're in another video game store, and you see Quest 64 versus Paper Mario. You better go for Paper Mario, because you get that Quest 64 going, I'm going to be that guy that doesn't get a Mario game, and I'm going to be different, and I'm going to go try something that's not Mario. You're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> You, oh good lord. Imagine, Chris, how many people, you know, a generation of who knows whatever younger adults were coming, or, or even kids, coming up in the world and had never played an RPG. And they get a 64 and they go, well, this looks like an RPG. Let's try this Quest 64. And they burn their 64. <laughs> I'm never playing an RPG ever again. RPGs are horrible. Anyway, yeah, Paper Mario made my number eight. Chris, you're number seven. My number seven is Killer Instinct Gold. Oh. Now, I this wasn't originally going to make my list. Um, the alternative and an honorable mention for me is Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Oh, both. That, that, that's a good one. Yeah. The reason it didn't make my list is because... 
and I opted for Killer Instinct Gold is because I don't think I played Trilogy on 64. Mm-hmm. Because Trilogy was also released for PlayStation, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. yep. So, And I think I played on PlayStation. So even though it's still a 64 game, I could have put on the list. I opted for Killer Instinct Gold mainly because of the nostalgia that I have with it. Because this was one of those games I played with friends a ton. Um, it's a fighting game. It's based on, uh, it's a port of Killer Instinct 2. Um, and uh, it's, it has its own type of uh, combos and quote-unquote fatalities. Um, but this is, is this, is Killer Instinct the game that is known for the combo breaker? Yes. Uh, sound... Whatever you call it, combo uh, breaker. Yeah, yep, that's Killer Instinct. Yeah, so it was it was fun to play. I always got trounced in it, but it was one of those you know, uh, just hanging out with your friends, enjoying a multiplayer game, taking turns on it. You know, when there are more than more than two of us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I mean, it was decent. <clears throat> I do think overall, Mortal Kombat's a better fighting game as a whole, mm-hmm. um, but it was still fun. Here's the thing for me for both of these two. Um, Killer Instinct Gold didn't even make my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why. Uh, and as far as Mortal Kombat Trilogy, for anybody wondering, that came out for the PlayStation, the Nintendo 64, Windows, Sega Saturn, uh, <laughs> DOS. Yeah, MS DOS. Yeah, it came out for a lot of things. I remember also seeing the uh, Sega Saturn covers. That's why I kept trying to remember if, if I was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I hear and remember, apparently the mechanics of Mortal Kombat trilogy for the '64 were not that good at all. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. it was it was better suited on the PlayStation and even the Sega Saturn. Apparently, the '64 port was not that not that good. Still good enough to play. I mean, I still remember playing trilogy. I mean, come on, it's fucking three uh three Mortal Kombat's with characters in one game. Oh yeah. Remember a lot of characters being in that game and that was interesting. Yeah. The reason why Killer Instinct Gold did not make my list at all or even get a nod from me is because I love uh, Killer Instinct 1. Uh it was a treat for me. Ne- dare I say an honor for me to get to go play Mortal Kombat in the arcades when I could. I only got to play it about two or three times, and I was shit horrible at it because I've never been good at <laughs> arcade fighting games, period. Except for maybe Soul Calibur 2. I was decent enough at that. I could kind of hold my own at that. But I played Killer Instinct on the Super Nintendo God knows how many hours. I mean, that was one fighting game that I fell head over heels in love with, maxing out the difficulty and playing and losing and getting better at that game. Never competitively, but I loved it. To this day, I love it. I have the new Killer Instinct on my Steam. Uh, got all the DLC, all the characters, and oh my god, they did it such good justice. Come on, you got fucking Mick, Mick Gordon making the, the fucking soundtrack for this game. Mwah, mwah, good stuff. What I don't like, and I don't even know if the same applies to the arcade, because I haven't played the arcade Killer Instinct 2. What I did not like about Killer Instinct Gold at all 
is for some. I'm I'm assuming for only some, but it may have been for all the characters. I don't know. I was only ever good with with uh, three characters that I played mainstay. I played as Saberwolf first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Then it went to Fulgor, and then it went to Cinder. When I played, <laughs> when I played those three characters on Killer Instinct Gold, all of their moves had changed. All their move sets had changed. Predominantly, <laughs> Saberwolf. Saberwolf was a charge character. That's why I liked him. Charged characters are hold a, hold one direction, push the other direction, press a button, you do a move. Guile's a charge character. Saberwolf's a charge character. I'm pretty sure somebody in the SNK is a charge character. But, He's not a charge character in gold. He's like back to down, does a move, and forward to up. To, I don't remember. It threw me off. It threw me off, and it pissed me off. Graphically, for what it was back in the day, it was good. Uh, I'm sure the people that, that loved Killer Instinct 2 on the arcade loved it for the 64, for what for what a port was worth. But uh, I remember renting this game and being pissed off. Not liking it at all. <laughs> I am not a fan of that. Don't do that. Don't give me it. Who the fuck does that? You can't put fucking Street Fighter 2 with Ryu having down, down, forward, forward, punch as a fireball. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Street Fighter 3 and it's up, back, hold, back, forward, kick for a fireball. Like, you don't do that. You don't, you don't fucking do that. Yeah, see, I didn't have that prior bias. Yeah. I started with gold, I believe. Right. So. My... Number seven on my 64 list is Mario Kart 64. Oh, man. That's my number four. Woo! What, Chris? What a multiplayer fucking game, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, for anybody who's unfamiliar with Mario Kart, stop your life right now and go find some way to play a Mario (laughs) Kart game. You can start with the Super Nintendo version if you want to. Just know that Mario 64 and Super Mario, two different things. To the degree of, in Super Nintendo's Super uh, Mario Kart, there were, there were coins on the ground in Mario Kart. And one of the ways that you increased your max speed or speed up was to collect the coins. There, that's not in Mario Kart 64. Uh, both of those games do have the ability to uh, find random items on the ground, and then you can get it to use either for your benefit or against other other racers. That's fine. I highly recommend if you really want to start with one. <coughs> Excuse me. If you want to start with a Mario Kart, you can really pick any one of the new generations and be fine. Yeah. I mean, Mario Kart has successively and progressively increased in quality over time. You got more racers, different racers, different racing options, different racing abilities, different racing power-ups, different stages that are all fine-tuned and and match some sort of Mario-style theme, some sort of Nintendo-esque theme. So, really, anywhere from 64 on up, you're going to have fun. For me, talking about this list, Mario Kart 64, hella fun. Uh, I played through many of the cups on my own. I uh, don't know how far I made it. I'm pretty sure elite, at least the star cups. I've, I either beat them all or did or did fairly well. But this game, I predominantly remember playing this multiplayer for yeah. two reasons. You've got two different ways to play this. You can race against other other racers, which is you and friends racing against each other around the track, or you can do a battle mode. 
where you have these balloons attached to your cart and you have to go around and and hit other players with an item of some sort and whoever has whoever's the last to still hold a balloon on them wins. Uh, there was only four four or six courses, I can't remember. I want to say four. But uh, for the for the battle course. It was either four or six courses. Probably four. Yeah. And and then you had all the tracks from the uh the racing game to race multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Fun game. I mean, hella fun game. Definitely one of those games that you want to have four players for. Definitely one of those games that the more people you have, uh, the better off you are. Now, yeah. Mario Kart is also known for having some of the most rage-inducing fucking <laughs> mechanics because of Nintendo. The way that they do these games, the, this is no, this is no fucking bullshit. Okay, if you think playing a game of Monopoly, Mario Kart is the real life Monopoly. Mario <laughs> Kart is the video game equivalent of Monopoly. I'm making that the fucking title of the goddamn episode right now. <laughs> they have it, it, it. It's so you can't be mad at them because you understand why they did what they did. But the fucking algorithm that they have set up in these Mario Kart games are the further back you are from first place, mm-hmm. the more likely you are to get the almighty god shit. You have generic power-ups in Mario Kart 64, okay? You can shoot a green shell out, forward or backwards. Mm-hmm. If you shoot it out, it just bounces around the walls a few times. After like eight or nine bounces, it disappears. Yeah. You have a red shell, which you shoot it out, and it homes on the person in front of you, which is cool. That's when you immediately yeah. want to get somebody knocked out of the way. You have a mushroom that grants you, like, a boost. You have another mushroom that you can hit and keep hitting and keep hitting, and it, it gives you, like, an amount of, of, of boost power for a for yeah. a, a, amount of uses, I guess you'd say. Good good for shortcuts. Good for shortcuts. Cross yeah, grass yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You have uh bananas. You have bananas. You can throw up in front of you or behind you, and whoever hits the banana, be it you or somebody else, yeah, they spin out. You have a three banana, which lets you, or a trail of bananas, which lets you throw out a bunch of bananas doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Then you have some bigger power ups like the star, which it puts you at a faster pace. You drive faster, and anybody you touch spins out, and they're done. Well, for and a moment. Anyway. So if you get hit with something, it doesn't affect you too. Right, right, right. You're invincible while you have the star. Then you have this fucking shell, this the the blue spiky shell, which mm-hmm. shoots out and goes after the person in first place. Whoever the fuck is in that blue shell's way also gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. If you're in second place, your chances of getting that blue shell are probably one in a hundred. If you're in second place, you know maybe maybe maybe. Seven, eight percent. So, on. if you're in seventh or eighth place, you're getting that fucking blue shell, and it's happening. If you're in seventh or eighth place, you're gonna get. You're getting nothing but red shells times three stars, and that and that blue shell. I mean, pure, you're never getting fucking bananas. I mean, <laughs> it's the way. And the reason why they do this is to help people that are in the back catch up. It's to help people yeah. who are flacking off in the back. And, and not winning, able that gives them a chance to win. And by God, will they ever win. <laughs> this, the reason why Mario Kart, it's, it's a meme, yes, but it is the fucking truth. The reason why Mario Kart is the video game equivalent of Monopoly 
is because every match, if not every other match, Chris will be in first place, and he has a fucking lead. I'm in seventh place. I throw a blue shell out. I knock out six of the other eight razors, and I bow over his ass, and I cross the finish line as he dies right <laughs> in front of it. It happens all the time. Or yeah. you get hit with one red shell from one racer and two more red shells from another racer, and then somebody oh, yeah. blows by you with a star on. You're like, wow, I was in second place, trailing <laughs> right behind the first place guy, but now I'm in sixth place. Oh, nope, now I'm in seventh place. Fuck me. Gr great lap three of three. Awesome. Yeah, and it's always on lap three. Yep. But in saying all this, with all this rage this game induces, it is fucking fun so many multiplayer hours so many so many hours of fun lost playing mario kart 64 and mario kart 64 is not alone i played double dash i played i played almost all of them and they they all offer the same thing good fun multiplayer yeah you know mario kart 64 i don't think i ever played single player yeah this was a pure multiplayer let's go race we didn't do battle mode a whole lot. Um, it's kind of, it's a, it's fun to play every once in a while, but it doesn't have the same appeal that the main races do. Yeah. But the races are so much fun. That chaotic aspect to it, you know, makes it, gives it a lot of uh, variety and replay value because just because one person may be overall better at racing, the power-ups, you know, almost completely negate that. Yep. Um, there are... Sure, if you know where shortcuts are and whatnot, which I don't even know how much Mario Kart 64 had um, compared to the modern ones. But those, yeah, it just evened the playing field quite a bit. And it was a lot of fun to just hang out and chill and play. And that's kind of a trend with the 64 games. Yeah. There were a lot of good chill games. Yep. I mean, even even multiplayer games like, like Star Fox 64. It's got a mm -hmm. multiplayer versus mode, but I... I remember just picking that game up and really, I didn't care who was in first or who won. It's just, you know, fucking drink some fucking sodas and chill out and talk about shit and play Star Fox, you know? Yeah. So, Chris, your number six, if you please. So, my number six, and you'll be able to talk about this game a whole lot more than me, was Quest 64. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Was GoldenEye 007. Oh, yes, I can. But so, I will wait. <laughs> this is another game where I'm pretty sure I never played single player. When I played it, it was, you know, with other people playing multiplayer, mainly with you. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's a first-person shooter based on GoldenEye. Uh, I'm trying to think if there are any mechanics specific to it that are that stood out uh, i don't think there was i mean maybe the objective based things but like mechanics specifically not really yeah. uh yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a fucking solid 64 title folks it's first person multiplayer it's uh it's this was the first game, in my opinion, that did something like what Halo did uh, years later, which was push uh, first-person shooters even more into the limelight of console gaming. 
the fact of the, the, the multiplayer aspect of GoldenEye alone put this game in a lot of households and got a lot of people interested. You had, I mean, it's, even as archaic as it is today, back then, boy, that was a shit. Uh, multiple levels to play on, several, mo- several levels to play on, uh, different weapons of different types. Uh, yeah, you had cheats that you could unlock throughout the game and would add different effects to things too. Uh, great, great single player game with lots of levels and lots of maps with lots of objectives. I mean, fucking solid game, solid first person shooter, even as old as it is today. Solid. Solid as it was back in the day. Definitely worth a spot somewhere on the list. Um, I guess I'll move on to my number six, which kind yeah. of kind of mirrors your number six in a way. My number six, Perfect Dark for the N64. <laughs> uh, what we mentioned earlier was that uh, GoldenEye, I think we mentioned it, if not I'll, we'll do it now, GoldenEye for the 64 was made by Rare another Rare first person shooter title, Perfect Dark for the Nintendo 64 uh, took a lot of took a lot of the ground model aspects of uh, GoldenEye like the, the character models the, the system, the style the setting and all that and put it to a more futuristic uh, sci-fi style setting this this would have initially turned me off because I mean hey we got aliens in the game yes you know, the typical like gray aliens I would have been like whatever but I'm glad I didn't because this game was very fun uh, it just boosted a lot of things you know about Goldeneye uh, had more weapons of more different varieties uh, new levels with new designs multiplayer aspect as well. Uh, one key thing that this gameplay, no, sorry, this game had that GoldenEye 64 did not have is this was one of the first games I can remember that lets you put, uh, computer controlled AI in the game to play at, to play against as well. So you could have a death, uh, death match with eight people in that death match. Me and Chris could be two of those people. The other six are all AI controlled. And you could also, uh, select the difficulty that you wanted those to be at. I will tell you now, if you are a single-player person, do not put seven other bots in that game set to the maximum difficulty because they will one-shot you through a wall every chance <laughs> you spawn, you fucking moron. <laughs> the higher, yeah, that was always fun. Yeah, the higher difficulty you put those AI, they are incredible. I mean, they are running backwards, basically getting headshots every time they see you from almost any distance with almost any weapon. It's fucking insane. But that was still okay. That was a cool thing for me because you could have eight people in a match, and four of those could be me and four, me and three friends, and the other four we would have one that was almost fucking godlike, two of them that were average, and one fucking cannon fodder. So it just it you know it just added more people. Even though you and you, that, that's just if you have friends. If it was just you, you could still have other bots in the game. You could still have people to play with, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, there was, uh, a variety of weapons. Two that come to mind immediately. One, everybody knows about this one. There was a sniper rifle that basically lets you see infrared through walls and basically lets you shoot people through. You could see through and shoot people through walls. I mean, enough said. You could see somebody through a wall and then shoot them through a wall. Cool. 
Another thing, one of my favorite weapons was a briefcase that the main, uh, usually every weapon had like a secondary function. Uh, another thing that I didn't, this was the first that I saw, was guns having multiple multiple options. Uh, so you had this metal briefcase. The first option was it turned into like a, a little machine gun, so to speak, a rapid fire weapon of some sort. The secondary function is it would fold up and you could into a turret which could be thrown on a wall. So it was like a defense mechanism. You could be tucked up in a corner or in some hallway guarding a weapon. You could just throw this briefcase in a secondary form onto a wall, and you had a turret that was that would shoot people when they come by. Uh, almost every weapon had a secondary form of something like that. I wish I could remember more for you, but those were two. The, there were two weapons that really stuck out to me in that game. Uh, same stuff that I remember from GoldenEye, multiple single-player levels with multiple difficulties with more objectives to run through. Uh just a good game. Good enough game to make it to my number six. Chris, what about your number five? So my number five is Star Fox 64. Ooh, that is my number four on this list. Oh, Chris. So, oh, so good. I, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Because yes. I was looking on the wiki, and I it doesn't seem to, but I thought I had memories of it. Was there no multiplayer in the story? In the story, no. Only hmm. there was a multiplayer. There was a battle multiplayer. Right, right. I know there there were the other modes for that, but I thought there was. I guess we literally just sat there so much watching each other play through the story that I thought there was a multiplayer mode. Probably because that's what we would do. I don't even remember playing the multiplayer very often. We would just sit, literally sit there watching the story mode of this game. Yeah. Um, and for those that don't know, Star Fox 64 is a uh, scrolling shooters game. Um, you're in a uh, ship. What's the what's the uh, accurate term for it? R-Wing. R-Wing. I mean, that's the name of it, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it's a spacecraft. Yeah, it's, it's a, a spacecraft. It's a spaceship, um, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but you were kind of in this space plane. It was it was a very on rails type shooter. Um, you had, I believe, the wiki terms it like corridor uh, mode is what they call it, where you have this one path you go down. Um, I mean, essentially on rails, where you can move left and right and stuff, which kind of makes it not on rails, I guess, because you typically on rails can't move around. Um, but it's similar in that you're forced on this one path, and though that's, uh, you have, this is where, you know, do a barrel roll comes from. Mm -hmm. Which, um, come to find out, he was actually doing an aileron roll, not a barrel roll, but hey! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just so much fun just to watch, even, um, and to play. Yeah, lots of good memories about this game. Uh, first person style, uh, combat in this R-Wing, uh, space, uh, plane, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. Uh, multiple levels, and, uh, a, I'm pretty sure Star Fox as well did it, but one of the things that Star Fox 64 was known for was branching paths. So even though they were linear in the level, you could hmm. do certain things in the level that made you go down another path, not only in the level, but would open up a different path in the story itself. 
So you had multiple pathways. You had like an easy, medium, and hard, and you could go anywhere from easy to hard or back around, depending on what paths you took, depending on what key triggers you initiated in the game. Uh, awesome fucking game. So fucking fun. So much you get, you get weapons to upgrade your ship. You can fire lasers faster. You fire more lasers. You can fire twice the amount of lasers. You have shields that will uh, that will guard you from taking damage. Uh, whenever you do like a barrel roll, I mean not the barrel roll, but the but the aileron roll. I fuck it, they call it barrel roll. <laughs> but you could basically deflect fucking uh, uh, shots off you. You could hear them ping off your off your ship. Uh, you could do different. Your, uh, you could go ahead. Your wingman. The other characters, they'd be on screen shooting at enemies and helping you and doing things. Yeah. But they could also be uh, chased by enemies and forced to retreat. Mm-hmm. So you lose whatever ability they give you, um, like scanning enemies or uh, uh, Falco could actually locate alternative routes. Yep. yep. So you lost that ability mm-hmm. um, if they're forced to retreat. Yep. Uh Another key thing about this game is personality. I said that about Mario 64, uh, Mario, well, yeah, Mario 64, uh, Paper Mario. Same, th- same thing here. All these characters have personality. Um, even the secondary and tertiary characters offer something to the flavor pool. There's, there is a story for what you're doing. There's a lot of little surprise flavor in the game as well, uh, throughout very, through the couple of different endings. Uh, it's just so 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 good. There are levels where they just go from point A to point B. There are areas that are in there are parts in the game that are what they call all range mode, where you're basically going around in this big circle and you're you're you know killing enemies or doing objectives. Uh, oh, just a good fun game. Uh, and yes, it is a solid point, man. That's I think that's something we sorely missed, especially especially with it having four ports. But I guess given that the single player was so narratively driven, you know, it wouldn't, you know, I guess you would have somebody would be forced to do something, a story specific thing in a game. It probably would have made it kind of rough. But that is something that we need. We need a four, we need a four player multiplayer Star Fox story driven game. That's awesome. Yeah, there was a multiplayer. We've mentioned this a few times already, but there was a multiplayer. Uh, it's usually like a deathmatch multiplayer style setting. There was a standard one, which were four people in four R wings, and you fly around in alter all range mode, and you shoot each other. Whoever's the last one wins. There was also a way, depending on the uh, scores you got, to unlock a on the ground mode, where it was your characters having rocket launchers, and you all shoot at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, there were there were tiers of difficulty in the story, which we mentioned, I mentioned already, but your, the amount, the amount of enemies you killed in the game affected a score. And the, the higher the score you got, the more score you got total throughout the game. And the more score you got throughout the game could unlock different things. So all around a good game had a lot to offer a lot of replay value. Uh, I want to say right now, uh, I don't know if this is an end of time statement or just my statement, but I have no fucking problem with Slippy Toad. I never have. <laughs> I mean, I know that he was not, I, I, I can hear and see how people would find him annoying, but 
they all talked in the game, and I didn't find him that annoying to peel me off. So yeah, I don't remember anything negative about any yeah. of the characters. Fun fact about real life for me, I did name one of my rabbits after Peppy Hare. So he's <laughs> actually my oldest bunny. I named him Peppy. He the cutie. But yes, I love Star Fox 64, and that also made my number four on my list. So good pick, man. Good pick. Which means... uh, We've covered number four for both of us. Yep. Uh, So that means that we are now... And my number five was Pokemon Snap, which we talked about. So cool. We are down to our top three. Before we do top three, I want to take this time to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, KFC Chicken. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I want to talk just a brief minute again about some uh, honorable mentions. Uh, different from the ones we already talked about. I want to give a shout out to like uh, Donkey Kong 64. Yeah. Love that game. It's a collectathon, which is up my alley. I love collectathons. I love platforming collectathons as well. Uh, Ratchet and Clank going commando is up on my fucking wall in one of my top 15. That goes to show you, I love collectathons. I'm all about it. And Donkey Kong 64 is nothing but, if, is nothing if not a collectathon. Uh, archaic gameplay, yes. Some of the platform was a little off, yes. Uh, but hey, I love it. Banjo Kazooie, everything I just mm-hmm. said about DK64, again. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It's also a platforming collectathon. With the difference here yeah. being is that you could have there were two characters combined, and they both have different uh, power ups and different alternate. They had they both had alternate modes of travel. Yada yada yada. I mean, it speaks for itself. It's platforming. It's collectathon up my alley. Super Smash Brothers. There is a competitive fucking level to Smash Brothers that I have never been that great at. But I will not, I will not sit here and besmirch Super Mario's, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Uh, even every, every iteration past the first one, it's always been about good gameplay and a lot of fucking fan service. A lot of fan service. You cannot play Melee and Brawl and not be like, man, look at the fucking care they took into these games. I recognize mm-hmm. almost everything in those games and I love all the shout outs. Good shit. Yeah. Uh, Yoshi's story. I love Yoshi. I think he's fucking adorable. I loved every Yoshi game I played. Unfortunately, the reason why Yoshi's story did not make my list at all was because that game is demonstrably short. It is way too short. I think there are 4, 8, 12, 16. I think there's only either 16 or 20 levels in the entire game. And you can only play one level in a stage at a time. So you come to the first map, you beat one level, you move on to the next map. You beat one level, you move on to the next map. Next map, and then you beat the game. That's fucking crazy. There are multiple levels. There are ways to unlock the other levels. There are, there are multiple Yoshis to find and unlock. There are secrets. There is gameplay if you dig it out, which I have. But... <laughs> it's it's just so sad. This game is so pretty. It is so it is so lovely the way the charm that this game gives off. But the fact that it is so short, it it puts me off. Now, it is childish as well. Not childish, but it is is definitely geared for a younger audience that can also put people off of the game. I don't care. I I take I treat it the same way that I treat Kirby games, maybe to a lesser degree. This game specifically because 
it is it is so uh, younger based, but I like it. I have fun with it. I just wish it was longer. I really wish it would have been done a different way. Uh, Bomberman sixty four, another good yep, game. That was one of mine. <laughs> Woo! Uh, same thing that I said about DK sixty four and Banjo Kazooie. Again, the difference being here is you can bomb shit. Hell yeah, I'm all about that. Lots of collectibles, lots of little, like, there's like these gold plates you gotta find throughout the levels and they're hidden all over the place. A lot of mechanics, a lot of puzzle solving shit to go along with as well. Good time. Uh, last but not least, Doom 64. I love Doom. I've loved all the Dooms and I had a good time with this one. It was actually kinda crazy for me to see Doom on the Nintendo console again, but it was there, had a good time, I enjoyed it. Any other honorable mentions for you, Chris? You want to roll in the top three? Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't mention either of the Zelda games. Yeah. Kind of funny that, huh? Uh-huh. I will go ahead and mention Majora's Mask right now. And I've got a confession to make about Majora's Mask. Okay. I have never played The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Neither have I. Never. I don't believe I've even started The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Now, now hold on. I hear everybody booing right now. I think I hear somebody breaking <laughs> down my door. I'll be right back. I may be murdered. Tell my wife I love her. Um, the only thing that I knew about Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask back in the day. Now, you again, I'm saying this back in the day. I'm saying this back in the day when it was released is that this game had a huge time mechanic. Hold on, I can already hear you saying shit again. Just hear me out. That's what I heard about this game, that there was a huge time mechanic in this game. Like, you have so many days to beat this game, or so many days to do this story. That's all I knew, and it always steered me away from the game. Number one. Number two, I didn't have a lot of friends in my personal circle that had or played this game, so I had nobody giving me lip service. I had nobody promoting this game to me so I didn't know. I knew that since it was a Zelda game, it was going to be good, but I didn't have anybody behind that going, hey, yes, I played this, and here's why it's good. And I also didn't have anybody behind me going, oh, yeah, and here, this is why the time mechanic is not something you should be worried about, because the time mechanic is basically moot. There are things in the game that let you manipulate the time, uh, the deadline, so that the timeline doesn't mean shit. I didn't know that. For whatever reason, I'm only making excuses because this is a Zelda title. It is a Zelda title in the Zelda franchise, and I feel horrible and shameful and, oh, slap me, I'm so bad. But I have never played this game. <laughs> I mean to play this game, and I believe the way that I will play this is part of the, the uh, 3D remake or whichever one it is for the 3DS, maybe even, yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever I can sag me a copy and I can muster the gumption to play it, I will. But this game was made in what, Chris? Like 1964, and I have never played uh, it. Majora's Mask was 2000. Ah, well, it's been 17 years, folks, and I still have not played this game. I just want to put it out there. Okay, <laughs> This is nothing about the game is horrible, and I've heard it's horrible, and I just don't want to play it. It's just... It's just been a, this has been a horrible, horrible circumstance deal with me. That's just all it is. So I will play it sometime and get my official opinion on it. But no, never played it. Sorry. What about uh, Ocarina of Time? Chris, why don't you go ahead and give me your top uh, three? We'll start off with number three, yeah? <laughs> 
<clears throat> Real quick before I get to number three. God damn it. The not putting you on the spot. Me again. Into telling mine. <laughs> um, but uh, Cruising USA. Uh, that's a game that I completely overlooked when I was looking through the list of games. But we, uh, that was another one that a friend had, and we would just race. They also had the arcade uh, chairs, which was usually Cruisin' World. Um, so I think I actually played Cruisin' World in the arcade and Cruisin' USA in, on the console. But that was a fun little chill game. Um, but that's it for honorable mentions for me. One of the few games I remember from the arcade as well, I will always, and I still do it to this day if I play it, doing the double tap the gas and, get, mm-hmm. and doing the, yeah. I still yep. suck at it because I suck at all racing games, but I always double tap my gas. <laughs> um, so my number three is Perfect Dark. All right. All right. Now, I mentioned that I didn't own a 64 until I was an adult. When I bought the 64, I bought the 64 and a copy of Perfect Dark. Mm-hmm. And up until... Probably a couple of years ago, that was all I owned, and now I have Super Mario uh, 64 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. So those are only two games I own for my 64. So that should say, you know, how uh, cherished Perfect Dark is for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've mentioned before that this game stuck out to me mo- much more than Golden Eye did. Um, this was another one where did it even. I guess it did have a single player. Yes, it did. But I didn't care. I never played it. Um, Playing the multiplayer was so much fun. And you mentioned the AI, you know, one-shotting you and camping you and stuff. I just, I would load up with all the AIs, and I would gradually ramp up the difficulty and just keep pushing it. Mm -hmm. Um, The Farsight, which is the one you're talking about, you could see through walls. I believe that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. That was so much fun. Yeah. one thing about this game that I completely forgot when I bought it was that you don't get all of the multiplayer unless you have the expansion pack. Yep. You literally could not play it. So I bought my 64, bought a copy of Perfect Dark, went home to play it, couldn't play multiplayer. I was like, huh? <laughs> and then I, then I, it clicked. I was like, oh, I need the expansion pack. So I had to go back to GameStop. And get an expansion pack mm-hmm. um, so I could play it. But yeah, so, I mean, not much more to say beyond what you said, but it was just a fun game. I would play by myself, even though, again, I didn't own it uh, back then, but I would, my friends were doing whatever. I'd load up Perfect Dark and play by myself if they weren't playing. Yep. You know, we usually play together, but yeah, good game. Definitely a upgrade from, from GoldenEye, no doubt about it. All the way around. Yeah, and it was three years after GoldenEye mm-hmm. for a timeline on it. Speaking of which, Chris, my number three is GoldenEye <laughs> for the 64. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you... It's so fucking hard to do our list this way because you're yeah. talking about it, and I'm like, all right, I really want to gush, but I gotta wait. Mm-hmm. I gotta wait, but yes... Uh, GoldenEye irked out far up the list for me. Perfect Dark for me was at number six. This is number three. Top three of all time. Uh, now this could also be a victim of circumstance because yes, I did play Perfect Dark multiplayer often. 
GoldenEye was predominantly multiplayer and single player, but a fuck ton of multiplayer. Like, almost as equally, if not more, hours. And again, for me, given the age I played it at, that was very rare. I didn't, I mentioned it several times, I just, I didn't grow up in a multiplayer environment. So when I did, it was an awesome thing to have. And yes, GoldenEye was, oh, so many hours lost, not even lost, so many hours cherished playing this game. Yeah. Couple things about this game that are mirrored in Perfect Dark, but you know, again, you do have a single player campaign with I don't know some somewhere around the neighborhood of twenty five or twenty to thirty different levels. All of them have different uh, difficulties, which have different levels of objectives and number of objectives. Uh, talking about the AI back in the day, the AI back in the day was the hard. The hardest difficulty means that they could basically one shot you because they got nothing but headshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, I'm only, I'm trying to talk about this game in the time that it was released and the time that I played it because that's my fondest memories of this game. Back then, the AI was great. Back then, it was a first person shooter with great AI for what I knew, for what I had, uh, had played, which was Quake 3 Arena. <laughs> that was my only other experience with first person shooters. Uh, it had, story aspects in the game uh, all the objectives were usually in some t- some type of story based shit so they even the objectives meant something uh but this, there was there was a couple extra levels you could un- unlock in the game i believe by doing the harder difficulties there were cheats you could unlock in the game that would affect not only gameplay but just just extras like costumes not costumes but uh like big head mode where you had gigantic heads or big hands or my, one of my favorites was paintball mode. So every time you shot a bullet on the wall, it didn't just leave like a bullet hole. It left like a paintball splatter. Yeah. Little, little stuff like that. Uh, multiplayer. Oh boy. What fun. Uh, m- almost. I want it. No, it wasn't. It was like around half the levels that you could play single player. You could play multiplayer and. Very archaic, yes, I know that. No, this was back in the day, no jumping, no aiming down the sights. But you had all, pretty much all the weapons from the single-player game made it over to the multiplayer game. Uh, your characters, there were a couple characters that had distinct advantages. If you ever hear the meme about playing Odd Job, that's because Odd Job was half the character size of anybody else, so he yeah. was harder to hit. Uh, my favorite to this day is playing Boris because Boris has a faster running speed. At least that's the way I always seen it. I run like a fucking gremlin as Boris. But, uh, I mean, you had rocket, you could set different, this is, you could set different styles of the gameplay. And again, I'm talking about, you know, this, imagine this for newer play, new, for people that weren't that versed with multiplayer, uh, first person shooters. Uh, being able to pick a multiplayer match where you could pick the the length of time, the the weapons you use, the types of weapons that you're going to revolve around, either pistols or automatics or grenade launchers and rocket launchers, what have you, uh, slappers only, golden eye, which means everybody has a one shot, one one shot, one kill weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man. Four players split screen, so screen watching was the thing, and everybody wanted to bitch about that. I mean, there's just so, so many fond memories. So many fun and fond memories of this game. Playing this game today, again, it's a first-person shooter, folks. It has not aged well. It would be very hard to recommend you go back and play this game. Uh, if you're very familiar with the 64 controls, 
if you want a very old school archaic idea of where first person shooters came from, you can go give it a try. You you can go back today and play something like Mario Kart 64 and, and have a damn good time. You can go back and play uh, Pokemon Snap and have a damn good time. GoldenEye, unfortunately, you're better off playing something newer, like maybe Battlefield 1 or, uh, or even Call of Duty if that's, if that's your thing. But, yeah, unfortunately, that is a gem that's kind of time-locked. Uh, it's only going to be truly, genuinely appreciated by that generation and the generations around it. Uh, because, again, it's just a sad state of affairs. First-person shooters just don't age well. But for what it was back no. in the day, that game was so fucking good, it made my number three on my Nintendo 64 list. You ready for my number two? I certainly am. I'm going to be surprised if you've ever even heard of this game. Oh, really? Clay Fighter 63 yes. and a third? Come on, Chris. Come <laughs> on, bruh. I'm all about Clay Fighter, man. Nope. It is a little game called Wetrix. I have heard of this game. Okay. And that's as far as I can tell you. I know of the title. Please right. tell me how this game made your number two. Yeah. And this game, it was so much fun. It's a very simple game. I, I say simple. It is. It has its mechanics. But overall, it is a very simple game. Think of... A, you've got your level. It starts out flat. All right. It's like a, let's say 15 by 15 tile square thing. That's your level. Okay. Mm -hmm. You get these blocks that fall occasionally, a la Tetris. Mm -hmm. Not quite the same thing. They're different, you know, shapes and whatnot. But it's kind of the same concept where you have them and you have to place them. And the concept behind the game is water will routinely fall. Mm -hmm. And you want to trap as much water on the level as possible. Because whenever it falls off the edge or through a hole, it fills up this meter on the side. And when the meter fills up, you lose. Mm -hmm. So you've got this Tetris X aspect where you have random pieces falling. You're trying to place them where you can to get the most water. <clears throat> while also avoiding... Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. While also preventing your water from falling to the holes from bombs that can fall, and you, I, if I'm not mistaken, you control where the bombs fall too. So you're trying to place those in a spot that won't cost you to lose water because it's not a you know instantly through your map thing. It's it'll break off this many layers of your rock you've built up to trap the water. Mm -hmm. So you build up you know maybe more than necessary in some spots so that you can drop a bomb there and still retain all your water. So overall, it's a pretty simple concept. I had so much fun with this game. <laughs> Sounds I like it. Even, Dude, it made your uh, number two, I imagine. Yeah, I, I I really don't know why I had so much fun with this game, but I did. And, you know, it it's really frustrating because I wanted to play it again, because I didn't own this again. And I only knew one person that had it, and I'd never seen it or heard of it other than that one person that had it. Mm -hmm. So when I lost access to it, I had no way to play it. Well, you know, I went to emulators later on, and I was like, oh, I'll download Wetrix. It was one of the bug games that wouldn't work oh, with the emulator. Oh, no. Oh, man, uh, that sucks, dude. 
Yeah. So I I still haven't been able to play it. It's been uh, 16 years since I've been able to play it. Wow. But it stuck in my mind that much, and I enjoyed it that much that it's my number two. Well, there's a copy of Wetrix on uh, Mercari Electronics for 13 bucks, man. <laughs> uh, there's another one for 70 bucks on some damn store. Do you still have a 64? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, I have two. We can make this work for you somehow. Because, <laughs> dude, a fucking game that made your number two and you want to play it but can't? Yeah, there's actually, and I was looking at the wiki just to ref- refresh my memory about it. And it says there's a sequel on PlayStation 2. Wow. Called Aqua Aqua. Okay. Thanks for, you know, completely changing the name. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Aqua Aqua. So let's see. I'll have to see if I can find that one. Maybe that's the one I play if it's as good. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'd say check out a gameplay and see if, uh, see what they did. If there is one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I've already, I just typed in uh, uh, Wetrix 2 and came up with that in about four YouTube videos. So there's, okay. there's stuff out there. There's material out All there. All right. So Chris's number two is uh, Wetrix for the N64. Yeah, if you're good, I guess I'll move on with mine. Yep. All right. So my number two, and this is kind of mind blowing for me right now Super Mario 64 is my number two. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, let me geek out about this for just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) guys and gals. I was so fucking hyped about this game. I had a class in high school called uh, Electronics Technology, or it was something technology, like building technology or, or something. It was some high school class specifically around technology. Kind of a pretty cool class for high school that I've never had any shit like it before. They had uh, different uh, robotic things. We ba- we put together this robot and we typed commands in to like code the robot to do certain things, like pick up a block. Yeah. Uh, all sort of different different things like that. They all revolved around technology and you know mechanics, and functioning things, and moving and whatnot. They wanted us to do a report on anything technology that was coming out. Now, all sorts of things people did these reports on. There was, uh, gigantic, uh, like, uh, uh, earth moving machines that were being developed. And they did that. Somebody did one on, uh, uh, skyscraper technology. Some, somebody did something on technology for, uh, uh, like micro technology for, for, uh, bio, uh, like a biomechanical technology, shit like that. This fucking nerd did it on Super Mario 64, <laughs> the fucking video game. I was so hyped about this. I was a, a, a subscriber to Nintendo Power, and they had sent me a Super Mario 64 promo VHS tape, which featured the game, featured levels in it, talked about it, and promoted the game. I brought that tape to class and revolved my report, my verbal report, my oral presentation over that video. And I'm trying to sell this fucking game to a class of about 15, 16 kids, maybe 20. (laughs) I don't think any of them played video games. None of them. But here's the thing. 
by the time that I was done with my presentation, because number one, I think I'm a pretty good fucking presenter. I was back then anyway. But two, this game wowed people. This game wowed a classroom of people that had never played video games. People that didn't care, give two shits and a fuck about video games. They saw this and were like, that's fucking cool. you damn right it's cool. We got Mario. We're moving in a 3D environment. That was the start of this game. I was selling this game to myself and to people before I even owned a 64. <laughs> that's how impressive, impressed I was with this game. Um... Where to start? Number one, if you don't know what Super Mario Brothers is, I don't know why you're listening to me other than you think our voices are good. Like, I don't, I don't know. How do you not know what Mario is? Mario 64 was the next Mario uh, sequel in the Mario franchise, in the Mario series, and it was the first one to go into a 3D environment. Very fucking cool. Uh, as much shit as some people want to give the N64 controller, one of the things that it did introduce to the gaming world at large was an analog controller. Had an analog stick, which meant you could move in a 360 movement, 360 degrees for your movement, which means Mario could move in 360. Could also control his camera in pseudo 3D, given the uh, C stick. Holy shit, what a fun game. What a great addition to the Mario franchise, and what a great way to kick off Mario in a 3D world. Uh, hub-based as far as where to go for your levels, but once you got into the levels, they were all different. They were all unique. Uh, every every uh, level had, I want to say, a total of six stars you could get, and the stars accumulated as kind of currency to unlock more levels and unlock more content in the game all they all had different objectives they all had different ways of going about collecting the stars sometimes you would have to catch an animal sometimes you'd have to climb a really really tall mountain peak sometimes you'd have to fight a boss sometimes you'd have to go around and collect these uh eight red coins oh man so fun i'm sorry if i'm, I'm trailing off here i think i feel a sneeze coming on and it's it's interrupting my mario 64 it's pissing me off. I'm doing that trick where you look at a light and it pulls the sneeze out of you and it's not working. It's just burning my nose. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, bunch of cool things about this game, man. The level designs, the, the multiple ways to finish the levels, the increasing uh, progression of unlocking more levels throughout the game. The camera control in full, th- in pseudo for, I say pseudo because the, I believe the C stick just kind of set, it turned the camera to three, or I mean, a, a specific degrees around Mario. But I mean, you saw Mario in 3D, that was still enough. That was for what it was back in the day. What the, what the Nintendo 64 controller could give you and allow you for control and movement was awesome. Mario himself had different moves. He wasn't, he didn't just jump and duck anymore. He had, uh, it was the introduction of the ground pound where he would jump in the air and do a flip and slam his butt on the ground. He's had a uh, triple jump where he would jump one, two, the second jump would be a little higher, and the third jump would be a flip way, way higher, allow for more maneuverability uh, and uh, progression throughout the levels. Had a cool, one of my favorite ones is a cool like turnaround move where if he's running forward, if he immediately pulls the stick backwards and jump, he'll do like a flip. It's a higher jump. It's how you can get to higher uh, higher uh, levels. 
you could duck. I mean, I'm I'm going through his move set. That's how fucking nerdy I am about about this game. <laughs> the bottom line is, this was a this is the first time Mario was set into a 3D world. It is a large game. It has a lot of platforming content. Very fun. Very engaging. And absolutely fucking love it. It made my number two on my on my list. If you have not played this game, this game has definitely aged well. Almost every Mario game has aged well in its own respect. So give it a try. Definitely worth my number two. So Chris. Yeah. No oh boy. We are down to our number ones respectively. Yep. Now the fact that you and I are on Skype right now, it's it'll be hard for me to do like a countdown thing, but I'm very interested to know what your number two is. I mean, what your number one is compared to my number one. Just for multiple reasons, I'm really concerned about this. I'm really interested and concerned at the same time. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I know where your number one is based on our earlier conversation. I it didn't click at first, but then I realized where you were going. And I was like, oh, okay, I got it now. I want to um, say I know what your number one is, but now I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're, I, I bet you know. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my my number one is Super Mario 64. Oh, what? Chris, yeah. what? Yeah. No. No. I'm sorry your number one didn't make my list. How did Legend um, of Zelda Ocarina of Time not even make your list? I never played it. Podcast over. <laughs> I, I watched it played a little bit, a little bit, but I never got to play it myself. Do you understand? I'm going to have to go back in this fucking episode and edit out this whole segment now. I have to, I have to take, I have to blur over, I have to like make... Uh, this is me. Hey, I'm Chris, and I have played Ocarina of Time, and I fucking love it. I've got to put that <laughs> over you. <coughs> oh, man. Easy there. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> hey, but that's okay. We all have our Greek tragedies in life. We all have those games that people have shoved down our fucking throat, and we have not played. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, mine, one of mine has been Majora's Mask. I just have never played that. Everybody's like, are you fucking crazy? And here's the crazy thing, Chris. Of those two games, it seems like Majora's Mask has been the more popular one. Like, I see. I thought it was the other way. See, I thought so too, but I mean, I see, I see more, I hear more people. No, no, that's completely wrong. I guess I just see it, like, in my face more. I see more merchandise for Ocarina. I see a lot of, of merchandise for Majora's Mask. I see a lot of people talk about it. So mm-hmm. given the fact that I have seen Majora's Mask around so much and the fact that I, maybe the fact that I haven't played it has made me like expand it more. But it's okay, man. All I'm going to say is you need to play it. You need to play it. And I, I think the same thing for you, man. If you want to play the the better version of it, or a good version of it, play the 3DS version. Very fucking good. It has it has aged very well, in my opinion. So, give it a shot. But that's okay. We're not here to talk about what you haven't played. We are not here to bash Chris, despite the people who are doing it right now. The people who are <laughs> typing their keyboards so hard they're breaking it in half. Chris has a top ten, and his number one is Mario 64. Go right ahead. Yep. Um, Not a whole lot to add after what you had to say about it. 
Um, this was another game that, even though I own it now, I haven't had the 64 hooked up since I, I it's one of the games where I bought the cartridge, but my 64 has been in a bin since. I never actually booted it up on my own console. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only got to play a little bit at a friend's house. Uh, it was, I've talked about this before when I was talking about Mario Odyssey, but I like the flexibility it gives you in that you can basically choose with some limitations, of course, based on stars, what you want to do next. If you're stuck on a level, you can move on. Um, and I think the uh, the speed run of uh, Super Mario 64 actually shows how flexible it is because there are different modes based on, you know, our different categories for the speed run of like, okay, for to 40 stars to 60 stars. And there are so many different routes they can take to get to those 40 stars that, you know, completely changes how fast of a run they can do and whatnot. But that translates, you know, as a casual single player game. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, You have just so much flexibility and you can, it's a, you've got a lot of free roam too. You're not, like, corralled into this one path. You can usually go all over the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only can you, you know, have the freedom to choose the levels you want to play, but also where you go in the level, which stars you get. Most of them aren't, I say most, I think that's accurate to say, most aren't locked behind something once you're in the level. As far as, you know, you have to earn this star before you can get that one. There are some where you do something and then that unlocks another one. But for the most part, that's not there that's not a limitation you have to deal with Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i mean that's really my main contribution based on what you said you covered it really well already thank you but yeah i mean it it's up there in the top three regardless so hell yeah it made your top made your top do you do you still have your copy today or or a copy awesome awesome yeah i i still my 64 in the bin with uh two controllers and perfect dark and the expansion pack and Super Mario 64. Nice. Nice. All right, folks. Well, my number one. I mean, come on, guys. This Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. <laughs> come on. Are we really up? To, I'm sure that we have some loyal followers who've been listening to other episodes and have heard me say, and I quote, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is on my number one top 10 wall or top 15 of all time video game wall. Of course, this is my number one. <laughs> of course it is. Um, don't bring up that fight though, because again, that was that was a fight between Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, and Ocarina of Time won out. I that's mm-hmm. as far as I'm gonna go with that. That was literally a two to three month debate, an internal struggle. A part of me died when I did not pick Link to the Past, but it had <laughs> to be done. I have picked Ocarina of Time. The end. Oh man. Uh what to say about this game that hasn't been said enough in the world what hasn't what needs to be said that we haven't said on this podcast before in one way shape or form this is an adventure game it features a protagonist with a sword you go around this semi open world and you slash things you progress through levels you beat bosses you beat the end of the game boss the end that's a very quick and very brief summary this game has a lot of charm to it just like the other games it has Different areas with different towns, different townspeople. They all have their own life, their own personality. And given the Nintendo 64 lifestyle or uh, the lifespan that it was back in the day, 
around the era that it existed. I mean, they all had their own life. They all had their own way of doing things. They had a set program, etc. But, you know, you go into a town and you'd see people running around town doing things. Uh, the dungeons were all unique. This is something that is severely missing in, in, uh, Breath of the Wild. If you ever want to hear an argument for what people are telling you what Breath of the Wild is missing, if you've never played Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time specifically, because it will give you a 3D idea of what it would be like, play this game and you'll see what it's missing because all of the dungeons are unique. They all have their own theme. They all have their own weapon, uh, uh, additional secret hidden weapon that the dungeon revolves around, that progression in the dungeon usually revolves around, and the boss fights as well. Uh, this is not something that's, that's new. This was also done in Link to the Past, but this game took an older game and just gave it a 3D face. It did the Mario 64 for the Zelda franchise. There's not much more you can do beyond that that's, that's, that's going to wow people back in the day. That's all you had to do. You took the idea of Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo, and then you put it to 3D. That's basically what this game did. Uh, you got a horse that you could ride. You had a pseudo-open-world environment to ride around. You had different races of people to interact with. Uh, fairly good storyline. I, I think it was very good. I think it wrapped up very well as well. Um, oh, man. The, the different weapons, the different options that you had in the game. You had like a hook shot that could, I believe the hook shot was also in Link to the Past, but now you had it in a 3D form, so you could hook up to like a tree branch and go up a tree. Uh, you had a, the stand, the, the main staves were there. You had boomerangs. You had, uh, bottles. Uh, you had an area you could go fishing in. You had, you could do that. You had, oh man, I just, this game was so good for not only as a standalone game, but for for bringing a 3D style to an already tried and true staple hallmark game, likely to the past, and a franchise like The Legend of Zelda. Um, I have played this game recently as well. I played it, I played it in the last two or three years. It's aged well for me. I can see why for some people it doesn't. Uh, if you want to see an old iteration of Z targeting, which is that this is the game really where it started at, that's the idea of you finding a target, you lock onto it, and no matter where you move in your 3D space, you are always locked onto that target. Uh, Dark Souls does it, but with a button, not a Z button. They call it Z targeting because you would press the, you would press and hold the Z button to do that. Um, that added way more 3D controls, way more options to the combat. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm half tired of uh, when I'm doing this <laughs> because we're, we're approaching four hours, and also I have talked at length about this game through different episodes in the podcast. You can check them, check them all out, and find them. I've, I've talked about, I've talked about it. Another good source, if you ever want to have a, a, a good laugh, is uh, Ego Raptor's Sequelitis. He does a Legend of Zelda episode, very good. Talks about other stuff in this game. Gushes on it as well. As far as me, this is one of the most prominent, fun, enjoyable, charming 3D action slash adventure games around. It is on my personal top 15 wall of all time video games. 
it is up there with the masterpieces of games. It's one this this is one of the games that when there is somebody that has not played video games, you want to go, "Hey, you want to know what this is about? You want to know what gaming is about? Here you go." There you go. You play this game. This is one this is one of those games you can do it to. It has a good way of teaching. It's a, it's a very good progression. It's just good. The game is utterly good. It's it's just Absolutely fun, absolutely entertaining, and is my number one Nintendo 64 game of all time, and one of my top 15 personal games of all time. <sighs> Chris, I gotta say, you probably mentioned this before, I can't believe this just blew over my head until this list came up, but I did not know that you haven't played this game. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've mentioned it. Uh, it's just You may have kept this a secret for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I did say I bet half of our list would be the same, and we had six of them that were on both of our lists. Yep, yep. And I think we did a good job. You know, we made some honorable mentions, too. You know, we let the world mm-hmm. we let the world know, we let our audience know that there were other games out there, too. So, I think we did a good job. But, ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, I think that's going to do it for this episode. You have our personal, individual, end-of-time lists for the top ten Nintendo 64 games that we love and cherish. What did you think of our list? What did you agree, disagree? But better yet, what is your top ten? Uh, Nintendo 64 games of all time. What what are what are the game? What are the gems that you hold? I'm pretty sure you're gonna have some of the same ones as a. Hey, who knows? Maybe you have have Jet Force Gemini and Quest 64 <laughs> somewhere in your top ten. I don't judge. Chris doesn't judge. It's your list. It's all about your you opinion. Totally judge. I totally fucking judge you. Quest 64, <laughs> you fucking shitting me right now? You're basically saying my favorite pizza in the world is the is the microwave pizza that I get from the freaking Winn-Dixie market. <laughs> you have never been to like a fucking brick oven pizza and don't... Oh, get some culture, please, for me. Not to judge you, just get some culture. Uh... There's, there's 60... There's the Ocarina of Time on the same console. Fuck off with your Quest 64. <laughs> Let, let only it. Superman 64. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> Why you gotta do that? We could always have a top 10 worst games, but, you know, who knows. We'll save that for another day. Uh, let <laughs> us know what your top 10 list is. What, what are your favorites? Let us know what you think of our list. What do you, what, what, what opinions you have? What do you agree on? What you disagree? Maybe there's some light that you wanted to shed on that we didn't. We, 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 we ran this episode pretty long. This is gonna be a four hour yeah. episode, so to speak, but, Hey, there could be shit about Mario 64 that, that Chris didn't mention. Maybe there's stuff about 64, uh, Ocarina of Time I didn't mention. Let us know. We, we love and appreciate any and all feedback. We love hearing from you guys. Genuinely, we do. We got a Facebook page that maybe where you found this, uh, this podcast at. You can also email us at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny spelling or numbers in there. You just put it in as you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can send us a tweet. Any form of communication, we would love to hear from. And you're almost guaranteed, be it a comment or a question, to probably pretty much get it read on this on this podcast. Until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everyone.